Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. Happy Monday. Monday following yet another Super Bowl Sunday where a former Bearcat, big-time Bearcat, always a Bearcat, takes home a Super Bowl championship wearing another ring. Not one, but two former Bearcats. Uh, also a uh, a night where some, some former Bearcats... They got after it, man. We're gonna we're gonna unravel all of that. A lot of fun there in the city of sin, Las Vegas. And then, of course, it's also a Monday where the Bearcats yet again had a halftime lead against the Houston Cougars. Could not finish it out the rest of the way. Still a lot of fight, a lot of promise. But now back to back big top ten games. Next one coming on Tuesday. It's also Monday where I welcome in my three guys, pals, partners, crew, squad, all together. Mr. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, Ryan Royer. Gentlemen, how are we? Good, good. Recovering from, uh, not recovering, really wasn't that uh, rowdy, but uh, Super Bowl party yesterday. We'll call it recovered. We'll call it some good food, a bunch of good friends and and family over for the game. So Mm -hmm. Kelsey was happy at the end of the night, went to bed happy. And, uh, you know, here we are. Kelsey definitely went to bed happy. There's no doubt about that. She was excited. She was excited. She was a little nervous. Much like the San Francisco 49ers, Kelsey did not understand the overtime rules. Uh, (laughs) So she had a lot of questions about what was happening. But, uh, you know, they got across the finish line. Uh, She's probably sent me 37 post-Super Bowl videos on TikTok today from, uh, you know, the shenanigans from the, from the happy couple uh gallivanting around Vegas last night. I love it. I love and it. Craig. Hey, and, and Craig. Craig. Exactly. There. And, <laughs> and the former former basketball manager, if I'm not mistaken, also there hanging out with them. So I I mean they're crew rolling deep. But uh Aaron squad. squad. Where's Barwin and all this stuff? You would think Connor would be living it up a little bit. Yeah. I, th- I think Ice Spice got his ticket. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's probably it. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. Well, Aaron, sir, how are we? I'm delighted the season's over. Oh, wow. Coming in hot. That's it. That's all you got. That's, it. that's, that's all you got. That's wow. All I got. Like a tornado. Twisters coming out. Another remake of an old movie or whatever it's called. A whatever they're doing, all these movies, they're just coming out with another one. And Twisters, you, you came in like a tornado there, Aaron. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back on that one if you catch my drift. Royer, sir, how are we? <laughs> doing great, man. It was a solid weekend, capping it off with a great game. Um, happy for Travis. And always good to see Jason up there having a good time with him too. Um, yeah, solid weekend. Excited. Uh, I guess not the best part was the Bearcats dropping a a winnable game there at home where you thought they were finally going to pull it out, but Super Bowl kind of makes you forget about that for a moment. Kind of captivates This just in, Ryan. Houston's good. Yeah, they find a way to win. That's what great teams do. Great I teams agree. coached by a great coach. And, you know, sometimes it's like, holy shit, like the great team finds a way for these insane shots to just go in and bail them out. It's kind of just – Almost like karma. It might just be why they're a great team. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it might it's be part the, of why they're a great team. The energy around them just forces the ball in. Football slash basketball gods, if you will. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the shit that happened to us. If you look at 
the run we had of football and I was playing. There's a lot of games yep. we should have lost, a lot of plays that went our way just for some reason. Eight and straight plays, goal line stand. Oh I mean, my god, don't even get me started. I mean, what are the odds of that? The longest day ever with game day. All the half the student section's gone because they've been up since five in the morning. None of us for a second thinks we're losing that game. Next thing you know. They got eight cracks at the goal line after we muff a snap. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So we were Tulsa. The Bearcats were Tulsa a little bit yes. in that game. True. Very true. Uh, but you know what? I, I think that it's, sometimes you don't have that same, you know, that same juice, that same uh, – maybe the car gods aren't on your side sometimes, and you, you happen to get a little bump, a little bruise, a little, little nickel, little nanny on your car. But guess what? We'll call call our card lowercase G God Danco Joe over at Danco Transmission and Auto Care. He'll get you hooked up, get you fixed up. Ten dollars off your next oil change, ten percent off your next fixing. Call Danco Joe. He'll hook it up. Mention Chad, Aaron, Ryan, Taylor Swift, Ice Spice, or yeah, just just, just mention them all. You know they'll uh, he'll get you hooked up, get you worked out. But uh, let's. Let's wrap up Super Bowl talk. You, have, you, have, you, have, you might have an ice spice obsession. Are you okay? Dog. I mean, she was up there owning the box with, uh, with you know. She's got the lyrics. She's got Blake some of the Lively. best lyrics out there. Yeah, man. You know, Look. Like, Look. you're not the shit. You're the fart. You know, yeah, it doesn't get fart, much better man. than yeah. yeah, you think Jason asked genius. if he was the fart, you think? It's like J. Cole on the beat. <laughs> you know what I don't think America would have ever complained about? Uh, over the past two and a half months, what's that? More cutaways to Blake Lively. Oh, I think yeah. that's I think that's something we all could have got on board with. Yeah. Uh, every every fifteen minutes, we just get a Blake Lively cutaway. <clears throat> yeah, I, I could I, roll with that. I just right. love how into it not only Taylor but the the friends are like a lot of these right. like. They've never well, been that excited so, at a sporting event, and they're just there going right. absolutely batshit crazy for, for trash. Remember, they generally don't go to sporting events. Like, this is not a world that they're a part of. Yeah. So then to be a part of it and have a vested interest and to be, like, caught up at in, in that level, I'm sure it's overwhelming. Oh, it's yeah. overwhelming for people that have been fans – their whole lives like watch when a you know a team wins the super bowl like you know the first time in forever or, or ever or whatever like mm -hmm. there's grown men bawling stopping uncontrollably at the release of like emotion yeah, yeah. i can imagine if you've never really been part of it and all of a sudden you're just yeah. thrown into that world you're like this being, a, being a fan I for being a fan for three months versus an entire lifetime and already having a fucking Super Bowl ring. No big deal. It's no, you're such a hater. I, I knew Aaron was going to bring that up. But, it, <laughs> hey, hey, that part is true, to be fair. I, I sure. mean, I have cried too many nights over damn sporting events to, to the point where I have considered, like, why do I do this? Like, like why am I a fan? Like, like what, what is the reason why I do this? And then you know what? It's for the reasons and the hope that one day I will be like Taylor Swift Sitting in a luxury box that I paid a couple million. Making for. out with the star tight end. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, just something along those lines. As, as long as it's at a club uh, in Vegas, you know, after the Vegas. 
as long as Marshmallow and the Chain Smokers are there, you're good. Let uh, it fly. As somebody I, some I know once used one to of say. <laughs> singing, singing songs back and forth, pointing at each other. Oh man. I mean, yeah, yeah you think about all those like those when they when those people probably went to the games, it was just like just social hour up in the box. Well, yeah, they're getting free tickets. Like, they're just yeah. parading. Like, yeah, they don't let's have let's a vested cool. interest. Let's not look that interested because we're, like, above this. But now right. it's, like, the ball's in the air for more than two seconds. It's screaming, pointing, oh, my fucking God. Like, you just read their lips on every highlight. It's just – they. you can yeah. tell they don't really understand the game because everything's a big deal. Everything's nail-biting. Right. There's, like, no, no chill at all for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but – I had to explain to my girlfriend during the national anthem. She's like, why are they crying? Like, are they faking? And I'm like, no, this is like a <laughs> no, big there's... deal to these guys. She's like, why do they care so much? Like, they're already millionaires. I'm like, well, it's kind of like the made biggest thing he ever. Not... <laughs> he didn't no, mean it. You're, you're right, Royer. And the overhead on the national anthem, too. Shouts to uh, Reva McIntyre. How about that? Let's go. I didn't bet oh. that. Did they put that on a main sports book? So you got to get out. Oh, you yeah. got to get with one of your buddies. Oh, yeah. Oh, they well, do. I no, didn't look for it that hard. They they ban it in most states. I, I think this year was the first year they banned it in a bunch of states on, oh, on, really? on sports books. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, bookie. Got to gotta hit up the bookie. But normally <laughs> they put a cap on that because I, you know, it, it's easy to find those things out. Well, what if you yeah. what if you get a inside tip? Like, what if you know somebody? Did you see Reba actually had like a thing she put on social media with her boyfriend or husband or whoever it was? I mean, I'm not saying I don't have a tip, but I'm saying I don't have I might have a tip. Right. You know, yeah. Next year, I want to bet on the sign sign language national anthem when oh. the last sign gets put down. I want that to be a new bet. Do you guys remember Josh Katzowitz? Yeah. You probably I think he was before you, Ryan. He was uh he was a reporter that worked uh worked for us for a little bit, worked for the post, I think, and worked for Go Bearcats for a little bit. And he has timed the national anthem at I think every sporting event he's ever been to. He has a notebook that is just yeah. All right. Like what what is what is the I don't know. I think it's just something he started doing when he got into the business and like look, most I've never most heard of something like that ever. Most reporters have a little OCD in them. Yeah. Like it's just how it works and right. I think it, the little OCD like, you know. And he had it like every game. They would do the national anthem, he would start the timer. Stop the timer when it was done and write it in this the note in his little notebook. Right. How long There's the anyone that should win the bet? It should be that guy. He yeah. should know. He's got extensive. Got maybe he is him. why they stopped sportsbook stopped uh, taking it's, the bet. It's like foul that ball is... guy. You know, he catches all these yeah. damn foul balls. Oh yeah, just studies hard enough. He knows it. <sighs> Royer, golly, I I like this little path we're going down because I I mean there were a bunch. It was like. Dolly Parton going to show cleavage is, is, you know, Usher going to expose a nipple. Like some weird, weird prop bets on, uh, on certain books. So, I mean, you just got to look at it and you know what, both of those did hit as well. Dang, dang. Um, But uh, you you know what, let's wrap it up real fast with, with Bowl talk. Uh, 
a game that started out pretty blah ended up being pretty awesome. Um, the uh, very first overtime with the newer rules on this big, big stage turned into the seventh longest NFL game of all time. Uh, and I, you know what? Obviously, the 49ers didn't know the overtime rules, and, and they were a tad confusing. Um, but, man, it, it's awesome to see Travis win another Super Bowl and and – I mean, the Chiefs, they, they came out with a way to win in the end, and most of the time the, be the best team does figure out a way. This guy gets another ring. B. Cook gets another ring, baby. It's another ring. And hopefully he comes back and he is better than ever after a, a full rehab and, and, and all good to go for uh, for next year. But, uh, guys, just thoughts on the Super Bowl overall, and then let's let's wrap and get into some Bearcat talk. Yeah, you, you can't at this point. If you bet against Mahomes, you're an idiot. Like. He figures out how to win these games. Now, there's some dark arts uh, at work. You know, San Francisco's best linebacker pops his Achilles running on that the field. That was weird. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, they have a punt hit off somebody's ankle. Uh, the place kicker misses his only point after attempt in the history of his mm -hmm. career. Yep. Like, there's always something, but the guy goes out and wins in the yeah. biggest stages. So I I figured Kansas City was going to win. I never even really wavered in that belief. Because let's face it, San Francisco didn't play poorly in the first half. They just couldn't score. Kansas right. City played like shit. They did. And they were – it was a one-score game. Like, yep. if you play that bad and it's a one-score game – 10 to 3 at halftime? Like, yeah. Like, I be feel better. Yeah. I feel better about Kansas City than I do San Francisco at that point because Kansas City hasn't hasn't played any any good ball yet. And guess what happens in the second half? Travis starts getting open. Yeah, but Travis starts getting open. I think he had what ninety four yards, ninety one yep. yards, something in the second half. Like eight catches, ninety four yards. Yeah, yeah. I thought and he was going to score on that crosser. I did too. Oh Can my! You imagine? He I mean, I moving. think if he would have, if he would have. Tried to like work back towards the middle, he probably could have, but he took the safe play and just went out of bounds. Didn't risk it. Yeah. And then I then he's pushing towards him like he's gonna he's gonna score and push get pushed <laughs> into the end zone. And you want to talk about the conspiracy of Aaron? Oh. I mean, holy <laughs> shit! I was like, I I literally stood up. He's like, he's going in. I'm like, there it is. There, is he score. really like? It was more like, is he really gonna fucking score this touchdown? Like, right. is this really about to happen for Trav? Oh my god! I mean, it, it would have been like a walk off, pretty much, because because yeah. there was what ten seconds when he went out of bounds. Yeah, it would have been like right there at like. I mean, I think he made the smart play. Let's let's be. No, honest. That was an overtime. I'm talking about. When he, no, when over, he was like, you realize if the clock hit zero, it would have went. Oh, to oh I was thinking uh, the one in regulation. No, no, I was I'm talking about, about the one, one where he got it over the yeah when he got it over the middle, okay. yeah. got the first down and he left sideline. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Gosh, mm. I thought it was a I great mean, game. It was a great game. Aaron still is going to be mad about it because he didn't yep. like it, uh, and he's a hater. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I'm happy for Trav, man, and I'm I'm happy we're getting to see more of this side of Jason. He looks wow. – he's acting like a retired football player. Like, oh, my god! He does not care. He just 
letting it all fly. Like we're seeing all of his personality and he doesn't have to hold back. Everybody loves him. Like he's become like America's big brother kind of in the past six months. I, I mean, that was a, a total lights are on. No one's home scenario. Uh, we've all been there. Um, you could tell by his dance moves. Some more than others, not some you more, more than, than others. Some right? more than others. I, I mean, I'll raise my hand on that one. But you know, it, <laughs> the the whole thing is is it was a scenario where you you're you're cheering your your brother on, which is a cool thing to do. Like you said, sure. you you just have a Hall of Fame career. You you won a Super Bowl. I mean, now it's just fully shift gears. I mean, there's there's some people out there talking about you know wearing the Kansas City. Chiefs gear this this quickly. Hey, look. Who cares? But how about shouts too? Go ahead, Chad. Shouts too. I was just gonna say the shout outs to Kylie. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But guess who the worst player for the Chiefs was yesterday? Worst player for the Chiefs. Yeah. Who who you almost got? cost them the game a couple times? Their center. Oh yeah. <laughs> Creed. <laughs> yeah, but Creed's one of the best centers in the league. He sucked yesterday. He he had a lot of low snaps, that's for sure. I mean, Mahomes, he he had one where he almost didn't save it. Mahomes yeah. did a great job getting the ball, but yeah. that's it looked like uh, the Alabama guy in the in the. It, it was the, all part of the mind. script. All part of the script. Aaron, go on your diatribe. I want to hear it. Christ. I don't have a diatribe. I'm again just glad it's over. Can't wait till the segment's over. Well, you know what? It, I never really pictured a a world where fifth fifth straight year a Bearcat has won a Super Bowl. I know where, but like literally the the biggest grab headline grabbing situations involve Bearcats. I, it's just and like you know, cry all you want about little Taylor Swift angle, Aaron. But like seeing Travis and her kissing, and then they they pan over and, and Jason is is up there just acting a damn fool. I mean, those are dudes that rep the sea louder than any other pro athlete out there. I like that is an insanely awesome can, thing. Can we get Kylie uh, some Nike gear? <laughs> Let's update the wardrobe real quick. But no, I people went would, did, I went and did dishes when it hit zeros in overtime. <laughs> it was done. I didn't watch any of it. I mean, if if doing it's dishes so means pouring one more big big pour brown and. And watching the Bearcats unfold—that's that's doing dishes for me. But uh, another good, another good Super Bowl, another Bearcat victory Super Bowl, another uh, happy time for the Bearcat faithful out there. So you know what, we'll- Ryan? I'm a, I'm a, Ryan. You kind of you're you you need to hope that like a couple of these guys, uh, other than like. You know, if Sauce makes it big, are you going to be rolling with him in Vegas, like at Super Bowls, like Craig Terry's doing with with the Kelsey brothers? Man, I'd love to. I don't. I just don't think. I don't think Amon's going to call me up, man. I think he's got. He's bigger than the video game scene. And and another thing is, he doesn't like to get after it on the booze like I do. So I don't. Think- <laughs> <laughs> you would be the worst bodyguard on the planet. I'm gonna need Alec Pierce to get big. It's gonna. That's my only chance. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's my Colts only get chance. Colts to the Super man. Bowl. The problem is Alex is the quietest yeah. person ever. 
where like <laughs> the reason Jason and Travis are mega stars is because they're Jason and Travis. Right. Yeah. They right? have the, the spirit. They have Travis is setting himself up to get be in movies. That's the kind of guy he yeah. is. He's like a movie star potential. Yeah. And Jason's going to be a monster in football media for oh, yeah. the rest of his life. Right. As long as he wants to. They're both yep. set. They're, yeah. I mean, I mean, but really, Royer, how close are you and Alec? You can't even get him on this fucking podcast. <laughs> he doesn't like talking. He doesn't, he literally wants to sit in this little cave and just be by himself and do his own little thing. I mean, I come on, like man. Him, huh? <laughs> All right, fine. We'll get Greg on instead. Greg, come on. Come on. <laughs> Greg will be get on here in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. He'd get he on right now call. if you texted him. <laughs> Aaron had Greg guy. on the PTP. I did. Gotta wow. love it. Gotta love it. But uh, yep. That you know that was it. Gr- really good Super Bowl. Uh, halftime show was was pretty awesome. Uh, Usher had a lot of bangers. Safe to say. Um, I can I can I be honest here? Yeah. It wasn't bad. Right. I liked it. R&B is not really the the genre for that format. Fair. You know what I mean? Like it was it was good. It was nostalgic. I like a lot of the songs. But I I I like I you know, like like when Dr. Dre's out there, they're like they're playing bangers. Like legit like hits. Not that Usher's songs aren't, but like it does, they don't hype you up. They make you want to go have a baby and it's <laughs> halftime of the Super Bowl. I that mean, yeah, yeah, song, yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard for that. But the minute that Luda showed up, it saved yeah. the whole thing. Little Take John in the crowd, yeah. you know, Little John in the crowd starting it, and then Jermaine the Dupree dressed up like you know, like a know. Oompa Loompa, like Oompa we represent the Lollipop Kids, hey. <laughs> different movie, but I see where you're going with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Brent, that was like yeah, I combined your, two like, things. There. Your high school, I saw some your high school vibe. I saw somebody had said that he was wearing toddler, like toddler girl socks. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know what that dude was. That, it looked about right. Looks about right. Yeah, Ryan, those were like those were those high school bangers, man. That was that heat back in the day, man. You know how it yeah. is. What are you, how old are you? I mean, they're you? great songs. Don't get me wrong. Are you are you thirty one? No, I don't disclose my uh, personal information <laughs> on this podcast, but yeah, I'm around thirty one. Because that that you yeah, it's like I was you were finishing up right when I was like getting into the, like getting in, that yeah. kind of music, yeah. So right. it was like you were you were probably like what like a senior in high school. Let's just say I I sang the whole. <laughs> There's always that one person that I, I was I was singing every single word. I was like riding the bus in like sixth grade, like nodding my head with my skull candies on, thinking I knew what the hell I was listening to. <laughs> a little you got it bad because that because that one chick didn't <laughs> yeah didn't didn't write you a message back on your yeah post. She note. checked no. She yeah. checked no on the thing. <laughs> the no on the. On yeah, the winter. it was over for me, man. It was uh, over. What's the name of that one dance where the girls ask the guys? The 
Sadie Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins dance. There we go, Chad. I knew I could count on you. Look down I'm at old, man. I'm old. I thought Aaron was going to pull out a good one for me, but he's he's about to on this next segment, which is why I'm going to wrap up this segment real fast. Um, uh, Super Bowl. Aaron, Aaron, can you turn that frown upside down? When we're talking about anything else, yes. Super Bowl, good food, good fun. Now it's time for the Bengals to return and see what they can do. Um, there we go. There we go. But uh, quick Next time. segment, Aaron's, Aaron's favorite segment brought to you by Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low-minimum next-day deliveries. They provide a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. So Aaron can take that segment, put it in a bag, and throw it out in the trash. Woo! <laughs> Call Nick, 513-470-2029, and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Chad shouts to Nick for coming over, saying what's up during the Houston yeah. game. Introduced his business partner to me at Quick Paper Supply. Good to see them. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, I guess his business partner has seats right across, like right in the section next to us. Okay. Um, his seats are on the other side of the arena, but he had been sitting with his business partner the last couple games, so he stopped over to to say hello. There we go, man. Gotta love it. Love it. Got to love it. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to talk about it. It's about time to start the Bearcat part of the Bearcat Bounce podcast. Um, the good old Houston Cougars. Uh, for the second time in the last three games, the Bearcats held a halftime lead after an extremely slow start. I'm going to dive into that a little bit later. But it was not enough as Houston had a huge comeback in the second half. A, a monster run by the Cougars. The visitors led to a physical victory over the Bearcats, one that uh, we're going to have to dive into, one that, of course, just sucks. A 67-62 win for the now number three team in the country, one of the best teams in the nation. Um, definitely, Kelvin Sampson's got a got another one. Got another one, guys, just every single year. Rinse and repeat. Um, Chad, Aaron, I'm going to pass it back over to you guys. A couple days to digest it, a couple days to look a little bit Closer into the numbers, look a bit closer into the storylines. Um, just kind of just overall takeaway with now yet another top 10 opponent coming in less than 24 hours. You asked me point blank why I didn't think the Bearcats were going to win this game. And I said, Jawan Roberts. Who asked you that? You asked me that. Oh, last I, Monday. I, 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 well, yeah. I, I, hey. Congrats. Point blank. And I mean, I don't like, I don't, I don't want to be right on this stuff. I, I had money on the Bearcats and I wanted them to win this game, but I'm ecstatic that it is this dude's last year as a Houston Cougar. <laughs> we think, we hope, we hope. Yeah. Well, so the, so I went back. Jamal Shedd has never lost to the Bearcats. Nope. Juan Roberts has never lost when playing against the Bearcats. He lost his, Red shirt year. That was the last time the Bearcats took down the Cougars. The infamous ten in a row, right? Dejan Jarreau. Yep. And the infamous Dejan Jarreau biting game. The Mamadou Diara out at you know, out 
eating a steak dinner afterwards. You did, why do you have to bite me? You know, just just an interesting little thing. But yeah, um, I tell you what, Jawan Roberts was he was always cracked up to being more in this one. Uh, him and him and Shed, you know, you you heard Kevin Sampson talk about it. He said the two of them were just you know in the second half. He said, "Listen, you two are going to take over the game," and they, he handed the keys over to the car. Kind of you know. Not quite to the amazing extent of what uh, Bobby Huggins did with Kenyon Martin back at, at DePaul. If you all remember that game, you know what I'm talking about. But somewhat similar, just uh, you tell your two best players to go figure out a way to win in a game on the road when you're down by seven in the second half in an awesomely ruckus environment. So, yes, Juwan Roberts definitely gets a big, huge, huge hat tip to him. Um, Chad, just just glaring thoughts uh, a couple couple days removed. They played well, but they didn't play well enough to win. They didn't take away enough of what Houston is good at. And, you know, I, I you have to give some credit to Kelvin Sampson because they figured out in their game plan, get Shed going downhill into that mid-range, make the big step up, get the ball on the rim. And if he made it, great. And if he missed, they were going to go get it. And uh, CP Bearcat on the board put together a glaring stat. Yep. You look at the, you look at like, this is why you can't just look at the stats, like the, 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 the book, the official stat sheet or whatever, the box score. Six of 25. Oh, he had a terrible game. Yeah. Yeah. He he missed a ton of shots. Six of 25. Bearcats did a great job. Aaron and I asked on, to be on the the nightcap Saturday. I wonder how many of those shots Houston offensive rebound. Hell of a stat. Yeah. So he took he missed 19 shots. Two of them were blocked. Mm-hmm. So they took that out of the equation. Right. Um he missed 17 shots off the rim. Houston got the offensive rebound on 10 of those 17 misses. So it's it's what we talked about and it's what we you will talk about as long as Kelvin Sampson is at Houston. Mm-hmm. Getting a stop is great, but you have to end the possession. Yeah. Forcing 17 misses is probably good enough to win the game. You force Jamal Shedd into 17 misses. That's probably good enough to win the game Yeah, if you close out the possession. Mm-hmm. But they did not close out the possession. What is that, Aaron? 60%? He's got 10 of 17, something. The math major, yeah, probably like 65. 60-ish percent. Yeah. Um, 60% of the time he missed, they the went and got hit. it. And it, yeah, see, right at, right. It's a pretty good estimation. That's, that's what you get for going to public school in Northern Kentucky. Hey, um, hey. <laughs> so, yeah, you did a great job on Jamal Shedd. But Houston beat you. On the shots Jamal Shedd took, even though he didn't make them. And mm-hmm. that's the mark of a great team. That's the the sign of a team that, that has a culture, has an identity, knows who they are. And here's the thing with Houston. You know exactly what you have to do to beat them. They have deficiencies. They have weaknesses. Yeah. And they are pretty clear what they are, mm-hmm. but they're so good at what they're good at. They say it, it's like a guy with a great fastball, right. right? Here's the fastball, hit it. 
I yeah. dare you. We are yeah. going to defend our ass off. We're going to play harder than you. And we're just going to be monsters on the offensive glass. And you know all of those things are coming. You know. And you can't be better than them at it because they're just – it's just who they are. It's their DNA. Yeah. I, you know, I I think the Bearcats knew that it was coming. Um, sure. You know, I, I – How do you not? Right. But they weren't ready for it <laughs> is, is the crazy thing, which is why Houston has separated themselves to the level where they are right now. But, you know, I – the week off was good to 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 you know get get fully healthy, get everything back. I wish there was a game on like a two th- that Tuesday or something to just keep keep them locked in and everything. I don't know. It's just hindsight twenty twenty at this point. But uh, the the historically slow start for the Bearcats in this one. Uh, you know, it's just at one point it was it was an eleven to one rebound you know, discrepancy. Yeah. The lead to the to Houston. It was it, it took all the way to the 1526 mark for Jamil Reynolds to grab the Bearcats first rebound of the game. At 1640, there was a seven-nothing rebound advantage for Houston. And, and then you look yeah. at it with 942 left in the first half. There was a 17 to 4 lead on the boards for the Houston Cougars. They had a 10-point lead, 20 to 10. At that point, the rest of the first half, the Bearcats flipped the script. 13 to 4 rebounding edge for Cincinnati. They went to half, leading 32 to 29. And if you look at it, it expanded all the way for the final 30 minutes of the game. It was a 34 to 24 rebounding edge for Cincinnati. So they they brought it, but they brought it just a little too late. Uh, that that early beginning, because if you really break it down, there was there's that run by yeah. Houston. There's you're up seven in the second half, Brent. You're up seven in the second half. Yeah, you're, okay. exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. So I, I don't give much credence to the, you know, yeah, Houston got out early, but then Cincinnati oh, did to them the same thing to end the first half and start the second. For sure. No, I agree. And it, But the fact is you, you just continuously put yourself behind the eight ball that much. You exert all this energy getting back. You, you, you then are just trying to slowly always come back. You build that seven-point lead. But I don't know about you, Chad. I never felt comfortable during during when they were up seven. Well, I know it's Houston. Why would you ever feel comfortable? You can't right, ever seven. feel comfortable. No. So the whole the whole thing about yes, they they lost the lead yet again. Another long spurt where they weren't able to score more than what three points. And then Cincinnati has that that flip that spurt back themselves to get back within two. LJ Cryer hits a. It was a hook shot. That now you look back at it, it's it's just an insane shot. Uh, not to discredit also Malik Wilson's two really tough step back Jays that he knocked down as well. It just, you know, the guy like, averages four points a game, comes in and hits two yeah. just crushing step yeah. backs. And, you know, I you look back like sharp hit some like weird leaning threes. Like the whole thing is just the, the that's like, why they're tough shot making is part of being a great team. Like, right. That's that's what Cincinnati doesn't have. It's what's keeping them from being a great team is yeah. they don't yet have an elite shot maker. Like they've got yeah. good Big 12 level players. Right. But they don't have that one or two guys that it doesn't seem to matter because yeah. they're going to get the ball in their hands late in the game and mm-hmm. they're going to have to take a tough shot and the shot's pretty likely to go in. Like, no matter how tough it is, we saw 
Dylan Deesu do it. We saw Max Aismas do it. Like, you know, you can go down the list of guys this year. You know, who didn't do it. Pop Isaacs. Oh, he's back. Never mind. Also down the stretch, Tennyson and, uh, and Jameer yeah. Nelson missed a couple that were that were key for them. So, okay. yeah, you know, it, it goes both ways. You know, I in certain moments, Seamus Lukosius has been hitting that little mid-range jumper that he hit at Texas Tech. He hit that one. That that was the differential in that game. You know, I it just man, it's just the the beast of the Big Twelve. That's what the Bearcats are are, are fully in right now. Royer, were you able? Easy. Make or miss league. Yeah. Games are going to be decided in the final three minutes. The team that makes more shots is going to go home the victor. Yeah. Every time. It's crazy. Royer, you're able to take in the game. You're, uh, yeah. Yeah. You're, I, I think Chad, Chad hit on the head. We kind of mentioned it at the start. Just like the Bearcats didn't play their best game, they also didn't play bad. Um, I like their fight. The way to, to crawl back in at down 10, what under seven, like that's hard to oh. do against a great team. Nor, under, nor under three, five? Minutes left. under three, four, under five, yeah. three. I can't remember, yeah. but like, I mean, that you should, you know, do a great teams normally close that game out and kind of shows the fight. I think we all know this team has, but it's just like, it's just the classic thing. I don't. I think it's this this thing with Houston that we were kind of beating on last week where Bearcats aren't a great team and Houston is a great team, but you just see the Bearcats just progressing into getting better. And, and you kind of see that represented and when they play Houston, how they're getting closer and closer, but they're still, they're not, they're not there yet. Right. And that was just the story of the game. I felt um, like the Bearcats, you, you got to have, have guys, you got to have your guys step up. You got to have your, your scorers step up and score and play good and play good all around basketball. And you got to have guys step up um, that haven't been lately. So, and those things didn't happen as well. But I think the fight, um, the fight of this team and the culture West Miller has has kept them in it. But yeah, they got to, I mean, if they want anything to do with March basketball, they got to win this game tomorrow. It's, it's do or die, do or die, and, and it uh, still might not be enough. <laughs> I don't think people understand how good Iowa State is. <clears throat> I, I, I've been yeah, they're good. They're, they're very, very good. They're just solid. They're rocks. They might be more rock solid than Houston in I a lot of ways. I think, yeah, they're like Houston light in a lot of ways, and then they're like – Well, they do it a little differently. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they're not a – they're a decent offensive rebounding team, but they're not an overall great right. offensive rebounding team. They do it defensive more rebounding with pressure. Yeah. yeah. Defensive rebounding is not good. No, not at all. So they're they do it more with pressure. They're, they're still a top 10 team in this league, though. I mean. I But, Aaron, I think it's a matter of, like, they're not Kansas. They're not Baylor. Like, they weren't hyped up coming into the season. They lost by nine to Virginia Tech. They... So I think people, like, look at this and go, well, it's it's Iowa State. Like, right. we did this to Oklahoma when Oklahoma came in as a top-10 team, and we were right. That wasn't a top-10 team. I guess my point is we're, what, 10 games into the conference play now. If you're a top-10 team 10 games in, you've done something. Oklahoma's but I don't not. think people have watched them. Like, I don't think people know a lot about them to understand 
Like that, that's kind of, they haven't been in those marquee big Monday or like ESPN games where they've gotten the spotlight and people have gotten a chance to like, like we pay attention to it because we, we, we have to do this for a Even living. Even their Houston game was they're, on like ESPN plus or like ESPN right. two. They're not flashy right. though. They're not fun to watch. They're just been fundamental. It's like right. Tim Duncan. If Tim Duncan was a team of people, that's what they would be. Not fun, not fun to watch, but they, they, they win right. games. They are efficient. They are physical. They're aggressive in the passing lanes. They turn you over big time. Yeah. I mean, and and they do it a lot differently than Houston does. Like they are on the, like they, you know, they kind of, they do it a little differently. So I don't, I don't think this comparison is, is like apples to apples. But they pressure you in a way similar to like what the old Jay Wright Villanova teams used to do, where their guards are just in your space. Like, right. like whether you have the ball or not, they're great in the passing lanes. They, I, I guarantee they chart deflections. Um, I know people love deflection charting around here. Um, but they are, I'm just, I'm, I'm just. For people that aren't familiar with them, is kind of who I'm speaking to, Aaron. They're really, really good. Like, I where I screwed up, Aaron, is I put my eggs in the TCU basket as like the the sleeper, yeah. and I should have put my egg because TCU had a little bit more flash. I should have put my eggs in the Iowa State basket. Well, but like TCU. Iowa State's non-conference, you you wouldn't really think to do that though. I I mean they lost. To Virginia Tech by nine, they lost to Texas A&M. I mean, Virginia Tech is not a tournament team. Texas A&M is a bubble team. Uh, they barely beat VCU. Uh, I, I mean, they they got pretty much blown out a bit against Oklahoma in the opening game of Big Twelve play. It's just you know, they they just aren't that sexy team, like you said. But they've really, really, really caught a hot, hot streak over the last month. And no one wins a game at Iowa State. Iowa State right now at home is as good as Kansas yeah. at home. As yeah, as good as Nebraska. I, I've, I've watched the team win at Hilton Coliseum. Not hey, I did too, man. I saw it. I seen took it. took the most nerve wracking uh, like elbow jumper by Gary Clark to send it to overtime. But golly, then, then Jacob Jacob Evans then at Jake, the free throw line again, ooh. icing it. And then, gosh, uh, like how, how those two shots, the, the one at the regulation buzzer and the one at the overtime buzzer, didn't fall for Iowa State because those always right. fall against the Bearcats. I was like, wow. Luck is on the luck is on their side. But, yeah, Hilton Coliseum. I did love those, I did love those Iowa State teams. I got Monte Morris, obviously, was so, down to UC and Iowa State. Yep. Uh, so I scouted him a ton mm-hmm. and loved his game. Those That was a good Iowa State team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just a home and home. G off. Breathe. Aaron, go go off a little bit more on Iowa State. Fill fill in the fans a little bit more about just how good they are. Well, I mean, again, I, I don't know what you, what else you want me to say. They they do everything the right way. They don't lose at home. I'm happy this game is in Cincinnati. We at least have a puncher's chance in it. Otherwise, I'd write this one off as done already, and would not be wagering money at all tomorrow. But since it's at fifth third, we can play with a little bit with some money. But uh I don't know. I mean again, we're we're I mean, 10 they don't games. have anyone that like really goes off scoring. They're 
They're pretty balanced. No, um, and they, they have depth. That's a, another reason why they're not kind of going off on scoring. Uh, like the one guy off the bench scores. Um, Curtis but, Jones. Yeah, Jones. But I mean, outside of him, it's just like a big man and, and that's it. It's It's similar to Cincinnati. They have depth and they play a rotation of about nine guys. And set, set, well, okay, seven get like a majority of the minutes, correct? But they still play a rotation of about nine guys and everybody scores. And so, I, I, what else do you want me to say? I mean, again, 10 games in, you're a top 10 team, 10 games into this slate, you've done something right. You're beating teams that you need to beat. You're defending at home, which is critical in this conference. And they're they're putting themselves in a very good position as the season winds down. Yeah. Cincinnati's got to be better on the defensive glass, period. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Iowa State is not a great defensive rebounding team. They are a great offensive rebounding team. And a lot of it is similar. Like, they don't have a lot of – Great shot makers, great shot creation, but they get the ball on the rim and they got a couple. They're big, like they're big uh, yeah. overall across the board. Like they they play size. Um, you got to keep them off the glass. You got to limit to one possession. Mm-hmm. You cannot give up seventeen offensive rebounds and twenty two second chance points in this league and expect to win games. That was what a third of Houston's points. Yeah, I mean, huh. it, it's gonna happen a little bit. Just the nature of of the game, it can't happen a lot. It can't happen seventeen times, right? For twenty two points, not not in a game that's gonna be decided in the final three minutes. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm 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 interested to see kind of what the the game plan personnel wise is that West throws out there. Cause you know, they've like Trey King starts at the four for them. He's he, he does have size, but he has the ability to step out and hit, hit open shots. You know, I, are they going to ride with Simas on, on mom Silovich who, you know, can stretch the floor. He, he's got that back down, you know, shooting ability. I, you know, cause obviously you're going to probably put Newman on, uh, on the, what their leading scorer, what's his name? The, Kashawn Gilbert, and then you're going to probably yeah. obviously put Day Day on Lipsy. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how how quick Dan comes in, and if Dan kind of assumes a role for you know lockdown Mavsilovich, I start him. Yeah, I mean I, they 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 play big. I know that's going to make it a little difficult to to play Seamus or John at the four, um, right out of the gate, but I. The main thing for me being more often than not, you're finding yourself not playing great in that first segment. Right. Um, or when you do play great in that first segment, then you bring in the bench and it kind mm-hmm. of falls apart. I would, I would, they started Dan in the second half uh, against Houston. Yeah. In this game, I would start Dan and maybe let Vic watch for a couple minutes before he comes in. Uh, Top G said earlier in the chat here, um, the the opening segments have been hurting Cincinnati. I think that's a way to really switch the opening segment, though, is if you do start Dan as opposed to Vic and and hopefully get this team into a little bit of rhythm. 
yeah. right out of the gate. I and, and I think the luxury of, of having CJ back is that you can start Dan because then it, it that does give you I, and it, it sucks. I don't know having, how many minutes he can play. Right. But I was gonna say it sucks having CJ back, back, and then uh, the first two teams that you play are are the fr- best two defensive teams in the entire conference, but in arguably the country, but. Um, just knowing that CJ is there and the ability that he has just even whatever minutes he's out on the court, the opposing team has to account for him. Um, you know, only played in, in two minutes is what it says in the Houston game. And, you know, obviously that's to be expected, but uh, that gives you a bit of a luxury to kind of go with Dan a little bit. And then you have three bigs who you can rotate or play at the same time. And, really honed down that that five and then in certain situations at the four and five as well so yeah i i mean i think i think you definitely need to have big games out of everyone in it against you know iowa state you, you go back and watch their games they crowd the lane so much defensively like oh they give up threes all over yeah. the floor. oh it's like they will sell out three and four guys on someone in the post you gotta knock down open shots it, it, yep. it is an absolute must. Um, like Aaron said, their home and road splits are insane. Uh, you know, Hilton, Hilton Coliseum is Hilton Coliseum, but on the road, they're they're just another you know middle of the road Big Twelve team, which means they're pretty doggone good. But uh, they're definitely like Aaron saying, way more beatable when you play them at home. So I think it's time. You know, I West West loves to get the team fired up. The the fan base has shown out. Time to make the third arena the worst place for teams to go and try and get a win. Try, try and well, bring look, that back a little bit. Look, you've already lost three home games. Yeah. You have four left. Right. Right? Like, you have got to figure out how to get right at home mm-hmm. because – you're not going to keep making up games on the road. Like, that's right. not how this league works. No. So you have to win this game. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not going into, like, must win, but, boy, yeah. you really, really need to. Yeah, especially because this is a quad 1A game if you yeah. win it. And it is a I mean, it's game. at the top of your resume. Yeah. If you get the – you know, when you get to Selection Sunday. Yep. It's at the top of your resume. Iowa State and and, uh, and uh, BYU right there yeah. at the very tippy top. Texas Tech right there as well. So, you know, it, it's, it's the main thing to me is just, you know, figure out a way to win at home. Uh, you know, yes, the crowd has been there. They have been loud. They have done everything they can. I think that will influence a little bit. You know, Iowa State wants to turn you over a bunch. Cincinnati has been damn good at taking care of the basketball. I know that. I, I mean, to, occasionally. I don't want to jinx them. I, well, I, it's not like they're going out they've there. They've got in conference well, play, they've million. got games with 18, 19, 17. At times, they have been, right. they've either been re, like they had eight against Houston and Houston turns you over. They exactly. were great taking care I of the ball. That's kind of what I'm just alluding to. Is but face a similar team that's going to try and amp it up against you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you have to take care of the ball in this game. You have to be crisp in your passing lanes. You, you have to move the ball decisively because if you are tentative, 
Iowa State is going to get you, and they do it with steals. They do it with live ball turnovers. They're going to get you and go dunk it. Right. Yeah. Jeffrey, I don't really worry a ton about that. Cincinnati's not trying to force turnovers this year. They're trying to defend you straight up one-on-one. Like, they're not overplaying passing lanes. They're not... They're not a pressure style defense. It's not what their their players say that they're best at. Um, so I don't sweat like low turnovers, uh, specifically when you're playing like a team like Houston, because that's the way I guess this is what I'm getting at, Jeffrey. Because that's the way you play, you're not gonna get Houston to turn it over a bunch. They're not just gonna make unforced errors, and you're not trying to necessarily Force turnovers, so that number's probably going to be pretty low. That's all I'm getting at, brother. Yeah. I mean, last, yeah, last eight games, they're averaging 11 a game, which is yeah, pretty good. Um, they've gotten better, but they've also had those games where it's like, what are they doing? PCU 16, I, I can't yeah. say. I, you know, I, I think it's loud spurts that they have where they kind of turn it over a, a lot in, in those little spurts that – yeah. Kind of throw everything off as well, but uh, yeah, but, it, but, but that hurts worse, Brett, because you're turning it over like right six times in, in like eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like you had 12 possessions and you turned it over six of them. Like, what are we doing? And you know, another thing is like, yes, only eight turnovers against Houston, but I, I mean, I consider a lot of those offensive rebounds a turnover as well because you're just taking over not, additional possessions possession, that you should have yeah. had. Yeah, so um, yeah, it, it's a big one, gotta win the home games. Got to be able to, to to add that to the resume. It's the top of the resume type win. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see. Hopefully, Vic gets out of the uh, rut. I'll say that word. Um, you know, see see how those minutes are going. Jamil on a surge. Continue and, and, and pump him to the utmost. Uh, you know, it, it's not a a crazy good scoring post players like uh, like Jamon Roberts was able to do. Like Aaron was pointing out. You know, it's it's. You have a chance to to kind of really hone in and, and and protect the paint and play really well in the paint, and you're going to have to against these guards that like to get downhill. So, yeah, can't we'll foul, can't put them at the line. They're not a great free throw shooting team, but um, this is not a Cincinnati team with great guard depth. So if one or two of those guys is in foul trouble, right? Like you're max, you're you're maxing out, you're stretching your roster pretty thin. Because the help is three, four, five, not one, two, yeah. so to speak. It, yeah, it's it, it is one last thing. It's it's crazy the amount of threes that they you know they, they well, dare you to shoot the three pretty much. Right. Um, and I mean teams are hitting thirty four point five percent, but they're getting they're number one in conference play and point distribution of threes, and they are also the best defense. And point distribution for two pointers, so they will protect is, that paint at will. There is no one on this Cincinnati Bearcats team afraid to take that bet. <laughs> Fire away, as long as they fall through. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anything else Look. on 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 basketball before we start riffing with Royer? If he's if he's still still around there, he always likes to take a break right around riffing with Royer. Like I know this is when we need you, Ryan. We're we're about an hour in, and he, and the guy gets hungry. <laughs> I just want to know what uh, what what topping he's putting on his popcorn tonight. Unless he's, he's going back with the eggs. 
There he is. Oh, water. It was water time. <laughs> a, little, a little extra bourbon in there for the riffing with Roy. Or... All right. Yeah, that's your quick riffing. paper supply time stamp, your local and family owned restaurant supply company for all your non food products. Quick paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Um, this is where we might need your help, guys. We we need a logo. We need a logo for this because it's now official. I got read. Oh. We need we need a graphic to put up for new riffing with Royer. Oh. Put that challenge. I need to hit up if uh Taylor, if you're watching this, hit me up. Yeah. Um, but it is. I mean, Go ahead. It's got to be Royer, like sitting down, sophisticated with a with whiskey a, glass with in a, his hand. A bottle of yeah, and a bottle yeah. of New Riff bourbon right there, and and bottle of New Riff on the table. Yeah. So here's our first New Riffin with Royer. Read, New Riff, fiercely independent and unabashedly innovative. New Riff produces award-winning bourbon, rye whiskey, and gin at their distillery in Newport, Kentucky. The Aquafire Tasting Room, located on the third floor of the distillery, features cocktails, flights, and pours of New Riff's entire line of spirits, including rare, limited edition, and distillery-exclusive releases. This is big, guys. This is big. This might be the best offer we've ever given with a partner here at Bearcat Journal. You ready? Bearcat Journal listeners can save 50% off distillery tours when they use the code BEARCATS24. So you go, you get a full look, a little tasting, a little, little fun, a nice little afternoon at the New Rift Distillery in Newport, Kentucky. For more information or to book a tour, visit newriftdistilling.com. Again, that code, BEARCATS24. Lowercase. All one word, Bearcats 24, 50% off, 50% off Wow! a distillery tour. That's a big time deal. And now we present big to time, you baby. I like new it. rip in with Royer. Let's go, man. Let's go. Shout out new rip. Hey, hey. That's big time. Big time. I got to, I got to live up to the hype for them, man. All right. I think maybe um, we need to just like at the start of this, you need to do a shot of new riff every week. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> all right. I have to. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Twisted his arm. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Don't hurt me. We're going to make you do a whole drink, but I figure you could pound like, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, I'll do I'll do a shot of new riff every week for the boys. Wow, I like right. this. That's idea. what I like to hear. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> hey, they're going to throw down that uh, half off. I'm going to have to do something. Got to match it. Yeah. I mean, you're the poster boy. I bet we could probably get you in there. Get you in the in the lady. Oh, I'd love. I'd love that. All right. We'll see what we can do. Don't have to tell me twice. Um, <laughs> all right. So watching, you know, we kind of – we were talking about the last three minutes of the game. And <clears throat> I've seen on uh, – Twitter a couple times, fans, or I can't remember if it was in the comments of this show, like kind of in crunch time or in big offensive drives when we got Jizzle in there 
he kind of tends to go hero ball mode. Um, and you know, you, I love the confidence out of him. You know, you, he you wants want to get downhill. Like that's his game. Yeah, That's his game. And you know, it, big moments, big games. He's not afraid of the moment. And that's something that makes you excited for the future. I, I don't know if, what was it like? three out of their five shots or four out of their five possessions there, kind of where they're pushing back into the game. It felt like he, it was him just kind of going like, all right, I'm taking this into my own hands. And that's, you know, it would be great if he would have converted in a two more of those opportunities. Um, if you see one of those, you kind of get thrown off the backboard and you have Newman come in there and just do what John Newman does for this team. Um, but it kind of just, yeah. And I kept saying to myself, I was like, I don't know if I want Jizzle James right now trying to take over at the end. So I wanted to set up the question to you guys, who is your guy you want with the ball? You're down two minutes. You're down two with one minute left. Who do you want uh, running out the shot clock, isoing up that, that possession, trying to tie or take the lead? You guys know my answer, so you guys can can go. I agree with your answer. See my Lukosius. Um, I think the main factor of having someone with in the ball with the ball in his hands and trying to get something going is a is a fact to be able to pass out of a situation as well. And I I think that that is the one facet of Jizzle's game of Jizzle's game that isn't quite up to speed. Is he can yeah. get downhill and, and he can get to the rim. And he has that nice little stop, you know, turnaround, mid-range jumper as well. But he he when when he's deciding he's gonna attack, he doesn't look to pass. You know what I mean? So in those situations, CMOS can can do the same thing. He's he's crafty to get around his defender. And if the shot's there, he'll take it. If not, he has the ability to to stop and find the open open player as well. So um my answer is CMOS in that situation. Um, and I think once CJ gets up to speed, you got an additional shooter out there as well. It's only going to open up the lane even more. I liked all of the reasons you just gave, but I think you had the wrong player, and it was actually Day-Day that you should have been talking about there because I don't want CMOS shooting the ball at the end of the game. I don't think that he has been – You want Day-Day shooting the ball at the end of the game? I I do actually. I want well. I don't even know that I necessarily want him shooting. I think I just rather the drivability of Day Day because I don't think Cmos is a good driver. I don't think that he is a great shot creator, and I don't think that he should be the guy at the end of the at the end of a game that I want to rely on. I, I categorically, vehemently disagree with. Everybody. That's why we do this show, though. <laughs> did, did, you watch, this did you show. watch the Texas Tech game? It's I one mean, game. It's one game. He's had all he year. It took all Texas, year to get there, though. The Texas game. Yeah. All right. That's fine. I, it's Simas. Like he's the most reliable guy with the ball in those situations. Um, Aaron, I agree with you. Like it, like speed, breaking down a defense, and getting to the rim with burst. The question was ISO. If you wanted a guy in ISO. And in right. ISO, I don't want CMOS. But I say you don't have to shoot the ball. I agree. And I said that Day-Day can pass it out. But I think that – I I think CMOS my, – my feelings are well known on CMOS right now. Yeah, you're a hater. I know. 
<laughs> I think he's. We we were we were sold a lemon on Seamus. I mean, they statistically he is the most important player. You love plus minus. He leads by a vast margin in plus minus when he's on the floor for the season. Like they are better with him on the floor because of what Brent talked about, his ability to do multiple things. He is not one dimensional. He is not just use his burst and beat you to the rim. He is not, you know, Dan, I'm going to go baseline um, and, and try to beat you that way. He can handle it. He can come off the ball screen and play off the ball screen. Again, I think there is the reason I think that that this sentiment is there with CMOS because they've asked him to do too much. They have asked him that... to do things that he wasn't necessarily brought here to do, but there hasn't been anybody else step up into those roles to do them. So, I mean, it's six of one, half dozen of the other in terms of like, Royer's right. Like, and, and, and give Wes credit. I thought he he trusted Jizzle more than we have seen all season down the stretch of the Houston game. Like, yeah. I think that speaks volumes for where they are at long-term with Jizzle. I don't think Dan is ready to do it yet because of the, the, the passing element, Brent. I, I have not seen from Day-Day in a downhill ISO attack mode that he's much of a passer. His mentality is also get the ball on the rim. Yeah. Um, Dan is well. I think can, yeah, and CMOS, I think, can beat you in multiple ways in a late-game situation that I just don't see the other guys are at yet. Like, that's kind of the bugaboo about this. Is I also can see Aaron's point in, like, wanting some guys that uh, have room to grow right. in that area. Like, I think we all think eventually Jizzle is going to be a closer. Eventually, Dan is going to be a closer. They're not there yet, but one of the only ways they get there is to fail at closing on their way to that point. So, I, like, I understand it, but right now, there's nobody even close that I would want the ball in their hands late uh, over CMOS. I just think that I know what C I'm going to get. CMOS, CMOS was supposed to be this great shooter from Butler, and who he was That's at Butler not is the number set, Aaron. Who he was at Butler is not who he is here at Cincinnati. Because they're asking him to do more than he's capable of because the team is not great on offense. Like, if you go back to those Butler teams, they had, like, what, there were three guys on well, that team at the top of that let's roster? Let's also be honest. We did not want CMOS to be Butler CMOS because that Butler team sucked. They didn't win. The, but You wanted him to be able to come in and have – CJ Frederick available on the outside. Have Slasher and Dan Skillings. Have have a point guard right. who can get downhill. I I think the CJ Frederick injury affected CMOS so much because, like you sure. said, he 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 had to be he had to be the shooter now. He had to be the guy that was that was taking all those shots. He had to be the guy on a, on a catch and shoot. He had to be the guy. You're down three. You need a three. Okay, CMOS, we need you to shoot this. I, and and so. Yes, I, I I agree with Aaron. I agree with you, Chad. Um, I didn't roast but, Aaron T. Win. I I pointed out at the end of it there are parts that I agree with, like his sentiment on his thought process. But right now, there's nobody as reliable offensively 
on this roster as he is. And the, the statistics show that out, even if he's been an okay shooter and not a great shooter. And, and you see what happens when you get the defense moving, you know, it, get, get by one defender, you make a, make a pass, you find another pass. Now all of a sudden Dan's got an open lane. Um, you know, I, it's just certain situations like that. Um, but yeah, if I want someone to get the ball, say clear out, clear out, no high ball screen, nothing like that. Aaron, I agree with you. Day day, get downhill, and I think that's why you see so many end of first half scenarios where it is day day with the ball, trying to get 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 around his man and take the last shot of the half. So, Aaron, um, I'm curious, what do you cons- What would be the percentage for you to consider somebody a bad shooter? I was actually just looking at From the three. percentages right now. Um, not three. Better than you think, isn't it? Field goal percentage. Um, Day Day actually is better field goal percentage than CMOS on the season. Okay. Not by not, not by much. Uh, 39 and a half to 38.7. Right. Yeah. Eight. They're, they're eight one hundred. Also taken 40 more three pointers. And he's shooting 35% from three. That is a solid, respectable yeah. three-point percentage. You got to be over 40, I think, though. From the, you know how, from Aaron, Ryan, you know how three. few guys in college basketball are over 40%? I know. You realize that like 42%, 42% is like the highest in the 43%, I think, is the best in program history on a season. 43%. Really? Yeah. I just don't know the game that much then. Iowa State's I, got I mean, the I, mom man, Milan Momstilovich. Yeah. He shoots 40.2%. And then uh, Jackson Kavletsky, 42.9, but only 28 attempts. So, Yeah. I mean, as far as volume shooting goes, 40% is, like, if, if you're at 40%, you are one of the best volume shooters in the country. Yeah, CJ CJ's at forty four, uh, but that's only on fifty. Yeah, which is more than and CJ's. CJ's one of the elite shooters in the country when he's available. Mm-hmm. Best avail best ability is availability. Is availability, right? Yeah. Hey, All right, Roy, let's um, Yeah, and and that's the thing. That Geoff said in the NBA, yeah, forty percent is pretty casual from three. Maybe that's what you're like. That's where your brain is defaulting. Uh, in college, man, if you shoot 37, 38% and three from college, you're, you're a really good shooter. CMOS, you're up, Ryan. All right. So this one, I think you guys might get a little kick out of. If Vic Locken scores 15 points by the grace of God, do we win tomorrow night? I would love to say yes. There's been so many different anomalies with this team. Like, you know, if they don't turn it over against Houston, they're going to be Houston, right? And they turn it over eight times and they still lost. Like, but ultimately, and this is, you know, I was in multiple fights on Twitter over the weekend because people just have a bad understanding of how sports work. Vic is one of the best players on the team. For the team to reach its ceiling, Vic needs to get back to being good. He doesn't need to be great, but he can't be ineffective. He can't he can't be a guy that you only play 13 minutes because he's not helping you when he's on the floor. He has got to get back to, if not even 15, Ryan, they need him like 
11 and six. Like if he can just be 11 and, and six. Fox out. Yeah. I know. And that my first thing was like, oh, like what about like 10 or 11? But I was like, well, my point of the question is like if he can get that 15 mark, I think it's in a this big one difference. singular game. Yeah. It makes life a hell of a lot easier, bro. That's for sure. And this one I singular game, I say, answer, I say yes. I don't want you playing. I don't want you playing. Uh, I don't play hard answers because it's it's a trap. <laughs> I know, but it like it's all it's hypothetical. Like if he does it, I feel great. If he's got fifteen, yeah. I feel great about Cincinnati winning. Now, yes. do they turn it over? Do they turn it over twenty two <laughs> times to like erase how great yeah. I feel about Vic's fifteen points? Potentially, right, like that's 15. possible. Big scores fifteen. No one else scores above ten. Do we win? <laughs> I would. No. I would think no. We no, win thirty nine, thirty seven. If Vic is if Vic is at fifteen and the rest of the team is under ten, that things have gone very, very bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. But if Vic's at fifteen, that should ultimately open up the floor for pretty much everybody else. Uh, that should also mean that he's got his confidence back. That should also mean that he's rebounding the ball rather well. And that should mean that the centers are able to be centers and not trying to make up for what Vic is lacking on the floor. So I don't know. I, I would think that, honestly, this team's probably clicking on all cylinders if Vic is at 15. In, in games that Vic has scored 15 or more points this season, the Bearcats are 8-2. and two. Gotta like those odds, right, Royer? Those are decent odds, man. Quick stats, Brent. Well done. Got to get the monkey off his back about because the last time he scored 15 or more. Oh, man. Got to go all the way back to the Texas game for that one. Been a long time since them days. So, uh, yeah. You know, Chad, the the thing that sucks about the whole, you know, got to get Vic back on the path is is that it's just at that point of the season where, like, it just sucks because you're doing that well. Every game just means so much. So it's it's like a it's a double-edged sword because it has to happen in order for the long-term success this season. But it, it's also a situation where like like and I think Wes is keyed in on it because he's really been quick to, to, to get Vic out when he sees, you know, like in the second half, it was like a quick, you know, Vic Vic missed a block out and and it was like boom, just out. So um yep. you know, you gotta it's it's something that sucks that you know what he's going through but well, here's, here's the beauty brett they they also are not in a position where they they don't have a choice right right like right. you can you can try to get him back on track yeah at a reasonable level yeah but there are answers sitting mm-hmm. down on the bench if he's if it's not there get six and, angry minutes out of jamil and then play as he right yeah right right so i mean it's a it's a it's a two-sided coin here that yeah you got to get him back on track to reach your ceiling but you don't have to force it right you don't right. have to be desperate and play him 30 minutes yeah when you only need to play him 12 if he earns his way back up to 24 25 minutes then mm-hmm. things are going great if he can't get there you know it is what it is and also chip Chill out with the, with 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 the with the things. You know what I'm talking about, fans. You know, chill out with those things. So dumb. It's so Move dumb. On. Don't get me started. You know, Go ahead, started on that. <laughs> All right, Vic. You have a chance to save us in our March hopes. 
Let's go. Because me and my roommate were talking about today. I the Bearcats would be a great March Madness team. Yeah. Like a team that's just been close and they can just string a couple wins together. You they can upset a team and see themselves right in the sweet sixteen. Um mm-hmm. I think they'd yeah. be really fun. They just Dude, gotta get there. And they can't get there if they don't freaking win. You're right, Royer. Sure. And guess what? Defense with their two guards. I mean, Newman and Day Day defense that that travels against in, in tournament play. So yeah. Um yes, just gotta get there. Gotta get there. All right. And the last one we're gonna switch over to my favorite sport, football. Little you know, I love some football. Hey, hey. You and do. we're gonna go over to all of our favorite portal pickup. Woo! You know he's got he's got a lot. Would say the success of the team on his back as he okay. should in these ever changing quarterback heavy times. Okay, for the Bearcats to win eight games, which is you know that's saying a lot. What does our boy Soresby stat line have to look like? Let's get a. Total Good. passing yards, total rush <laughs> yards, touchdown to interceptions. So what? Uh, I think with this rushing attack, if you have a guy that that consistently, or at least on average, puts up 225, 230 a game, you're in position to win in this league because you have the ability – to punish the defense if they're selling out to stop the run. You have the ability to do, you know, some play action, some some misdirection, some RPO stuff, uh, and then complete the throw. Um, so whatever that equates to, 20, right 27. Close to, yeah, like 225 yards a game roughly. Um, so 2,700 yards. Um, the touchdowns, I, I – I don't put as much like heavy focus on because you can throw it inside the five and then run it in. The quarterback Between. is the one that did all the work, but yeah. he doesn't get the touchdown. The key for me under seven, eight interceptions, like, like do not be out there every week, uh, throw in a pick or two. Um, like, I think that's way more important for me than, what the actual obviously he needs to throw some touchdown passes, uh, but they need to be in a position where they're not. We don't know anything about this defense. We don't know anything. The offense cannot be putting the defense like you know the defense gets a three and out they punt and then you throw an interception on the second play. Like you, we don't know that this defense is going to be able to hold up to that. What was the the greatest part about? Your 20 and 21 teams, Royer, was if something happened to the offense, the defense wasn't going to bend. It didn't matter. We'll fumble the ball on a bad snap at the one-yard line with the game on the line and ESPN's college game day there, and we'll just come out and shut you down four snaps in a row from the one. We got your back. Like, we don't know that this defense is at that level yet. So, for me – more than the yards, more than the touchdowns. I'll still say you need to be above 65% completion rate in college. Yeah. I think that's kind of the sweet spot. If you're above 65, you're in pretty good shape. But you can't throw a bunch of interceptions. That's the one for me. That needs to be – I'll pick eight. 
under eight interceptions. Yeah. I mean, Emory's raw stats aren't terrible for last year, but uh, the completions percentage was was rough, 61 right. and a half. Um, it's not good, um, especially in college and, and with, with a lot of throws that are, are pretty pretty open that they should be able to hit. Um, he had 10 interceptions on the year. He, he, remember, he played sparingly down the stretch a little bit. Uh, so um, overall, I'd, I'd say – pretty much on pat with with what you're saying chad I, if you can get it you know around you know 2600 yards to 2700 yards emory was at 23 last year but uh, was was not enough he the rushing element is what's interesting to me obviously it's not going to be the same rushing package that that was you know for emory that that the offense will use, but I mean, Soresby can run run the ball a little bit. He's he's got a bit of a bit of a yeah, but I don't expect him to be like six seven hundred yards. Oh no, no I was no. going to ask five hundred. I was saying I think he'd sniff five hundred. Right, or, I was saying like maybe four hundred to five. Four to five. Well, and that kind of takes me where I was going to go with this, and I was going to say between passing and rushing yards, I think he needs to be at about thirty two hundred total, um, somewhere in in that range, thirty two to thirty three hundred. Um, and, and I would think that between the touchdowns, uh, rushing and passing, probably somewhere around that 25, 28 mark or so. But I think the, the biggest thing be, more than anything. That'd be a damn good year. But yeah. I, I, think, I think the biggest thing more than anything would, would have to be limiting turnovers because I think this team is going to rush far more than – I think they want to lean into the rush more than they want to lean into the pass. Um, and I, I think that in order to be successful, they're going to need to run the ball really well. But yeah, yeah I think I think probably thirty two hundred, thirty three hundred, and twenty. Aaron, what if what if I gave you three thousand rushing and passing? If I said right now, I'll give you three thousand combined yards for Brendan Soresby rushing and passing. Do you take it? Yes, absolutely, you take it. But okay. I, at the same time. I, I, is it good enough? That, that's you, like even yes. I, I think people like I, I don't think people understand the difference that you know you're talking about 3,300. So, 3, and and well, what I'm looking at make a vast difference. The, the what I looked at was was Dez's career. I pulled up Dez's stats and his his last year here he had 3,300 passing yards, and I know that's not a fair comparison. Um, and he also only that was his least amount of rushing yards and he had yeah, he 365 all, right he, he had 365 um but if you look at that the covid year he had about 2300 yards and almost 600 rushing yards that was in 10 um, games I, though it was but that's yeah. over 3000 total right and that's only, yeah that's only so, 10, 10 games not 13 so that's where i'm i'm i was purposely pointing out the importance of the difference between 3,200, 3,300. And if I say I give you 3,000, I think you have to decline because I don't know that that's, that's good enough. I was 2,600 plus 400 I'm rushing. backing you up. I just wonder how much we're getting from the rushing game at that point in time. I don't know what, where they're going to lean on Soresby as a passer in these games as opposed to getting the run going and how much they're going to rely on the run. I don't know the balance of this this team as, as yeah, it currently exists, I, I guess. Would this be fair, Aaron? I think the question on Soresby is, what does he get as a guy that escapes the pocket? 
Sure. Like, okay, designed runs are designed runs. Like, I think he's going to be effective in that role. But, like, is he good enough to escape an edge rusher coming, you know, wide outside and then getting, you know, up through the A-gap to get one of those important, like, third and seven conversions or something like that? Like, we don't know before, as a scrambler what he is. And before he takes off, how many reads is he getting to? Is he is – he, like last year where we only got to one, maybe two, maybe two. I mean, that's uh, going to be on the offensive line because well, that I, affects your clock. Well, I don't know how much last year was on the offensive line as opposed to later in the season, as opposed to just what he was accustomed to. So he only made one read and then he was gone. I think there was a lot of pressure I, I that messed up his clock. Like, look, when you get into – when you're five, yeah. six games in and everybody is coming after you, at like two seconds, like one, two, oh shit, you're not going to get too many reads. It's, it's, a, it's a concerted box. effort. Get out, get out, it's, get out. <laughs> it's a concerted effort on a lot of different parties. Don't get me wrong, but I I wonder, especially towards the end of the season, how much there was no clock anymore. He, the, he threw the clock in the trash. I, I guess here's what I'm getting at. I wonder how much is going to be stay in the pocket and potentially like, like Ben – Ben was waiting until there was a guy six inches from smoking him and he would still get the ball out for the most part. Is Soresby going to be a guy that is willing to like stand in there and wait that extra beat for a guy to break open? Or I think to your point, Emery's clock was messed up. It was number one read, hot read, get the hell out of here. And I don't think that's productive because what did we see a ton last year? Guys on the backside open that he never, his eyes never got to. So it's going to be an interesting balance with Soresby on what is he as a scram. I don't think scrambler is probably the right word for him. What is he like? What's his his pocket pocket awareness? Yeah. Yeah. What's his pocket awareness presence? Um, I think that's going to be the important part to get him up. But I think you're right. I think it needs to be 32, 3,300 production from Soresby. And then if you get another 2,000 plus in the run game, because Satterfield has averaged 200 yards rushing for the last five years, his offenses. So then you're talking about 5,500 yards as an offense. Yes. If you tell me today, I'll give you 5,500 yards on offense, I will take it. (laughs) One of the better offenses in the country right there. That's my point. That's where (laughs) I'm at. We don't know with this defense. I'm assuming the offense is going to have to be good for this team to get Mm -hmm. where it wants to be with a first-year coordinator, potentially an entirely new system. Yeah, Offense is going to have to be a lot better. I think I think we took this question a whole different place than Ryan actually anticipated. It's good though. It's a good debate. <laughs> it kind of leads us down the path we wanted to. Yeah. I so mean, he's hit, the, if the he's in that 33, scores. he's in that 33, we should be in a lot of games. And I think some right. of those 50-50s are going to go our way instead of the other way like they did last year. Yeah. And if I, we can I start mean, off great start off debate. five and one. And I think if he's on pace for 33, we're, we're sitting right around that five and one range. Can we grab three right. more out of the last out of the last six? Think if, think if Emory hit like three of those deep balls, you know, 
Right, and, which and would have taken him. He's right there at 31. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, yeah. Interesting. Good Love the question, right. Royer. Excellent yeah. debut of Riffin with Royer. <laughs> with our you're new you're good at that, Ryan. At our new I'm friends trying. at New Rift Distillery. I love it. Try my best. I love it. Let's let's stamp that time. That is your quick paper supply timestamp. They're your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. They provide mostly disposable restaurant supplies, products like to-go containers, cups, pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins, etc. They've been open since 2009 and are one of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Call Nick, 513-470-2029, and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom. You are trying to have your ad read here. We still are looking for a sponsor for the mailbag. We ain't doing mailbag yet. We're not there yet. Just, just some quick hitters. Some quick hitters. Um, change what I said. I saw the mail, I saw the mailbag. Super Contact late. me. Contact me, and we'll get you taken care of if you want to yes. sponsor the mailbag. Yes. Um, real quick, just some some football quick hitters. I hope Royer is not too far away because I, I I wanted him to touch on. I mean, now it's got to be food. Topics. Like we're ninety yeah. minutes in, he's got to be starving. At definitely this point. food. Definitely <laughs> food type. Uh, food type scenario. But I guess I'll. Uh, I'll pass this with you two guys real fast. The commitment of Zion Johnson in the class of 2020. There he is. Oh, oh, you're muted. Bathroom, bathroom, man. All that water I was drinking. All that new riff. I got a whole bottle of new riff. Roy, would you hold your your bathroom until tip tomorrow for a a guaranteed win? (laughs) Do I have to hold it or can I just piss, piss and shit myself at work? Oh wow, that's good. That's a that's good, good wildly idea. unhealthy, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. I do it in a heartbeat. Um, I don't think it's possible. Or at least I'd try my uh, hardest. I would try my hardest. If you didn't drink any water, you probably pa- drink or eat anything. You probably pass out, but it's <laughs> just wake up before tip. Inject yourself <laughs> with an IV. Stop. Yeah, maybe. Uh... Um, all right, real quick, class of 2025. It's a running back commitment for Zion Johnson. The dude is a home run threat. Uh, just quick, quick thoughts on uh Zion, Chad, Aaron, and Ryan. I, I don't know if you if you saw, but fast, 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 fast. He's fast, he's really, really fast. Need that in college football, explosive <laughs> plays, and you need to you need to finish him off too. Because you never yeah. know what's going to happen if you don't get in the end zone. It could be only three. It could be zero. You know, people like going for it more now. You never know what's going to happen. Block kick. Uh, remember that one game that happened? We lost that one big bell. Uh, stuff like that. You could use home run hitters to get in the end zone. He's nice. Yeah. He's fast. He's really fast. <laughs> Speed good like Look. That that this this wide zone offense requires guys to be able to take it the distance, and he can take it the distance. So, composite four star, three star on a twenty four seven. Look, if you're fifty fifth in Georgia, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like 
you're real good if you're 55th in Georgia. So, There's no doubt yeah. about that. Um, yeah, good, good addition. Obviously, the class 41st is, is, in the composite. Sorry, 41st in Georgia in the composite. That's even better. Yeah. Not uh, not not too shabby. Quite the addition. Obviously, the Georgia is a state that this uh, staff has been been recruiting really well. So uh, they keep that pipeline open. Um, next, did you guys watch the most recent episode of Strong Shot Rain at all? And I watched it. Yep. Yes. I have not yet. I watched okay. the first one. I well, Royer, I suggest it. Well, first off, dude, these are like thirty for thirty productions. Like that. Like. A, a hat really tip to them putting this together that uh, the Bearcats media team like that's some some impressive stuff they're pumping out. But uh, storylines in this one, Royer, where you know they kind of introduced both coordinators, um, and then kind of dove in a little bit more on on two players that uh, you are familiar with. You played football on this team with these two players, and both of these two players have a a, a keen eye to wanting to turn things around in this. Uh, this upcoming season. I want your thoughts on these two players. I want your thoughts on what they're going to do this year, not only as leaders, but uh, out on the field as well. That is Mason Fletcher and then Evan Prater, man. I, I tell you what, the, the Evan Prater bit in, in the episode this, this week is, it's worth the watch. Um, makes you want to pull hard for him uh, to have kind of a breakout year at the wide receiver position. Thoughts on those two guys, Royer, you were in the locker room with them. Share some blood, sweat, tears. Yeah, great dudes. I love those guys. Uh, great representations of the program. Dudes who who give their all day in and day out. They're fun. They, they bring good energy. Um, nice lightheartedness. Pre and post practice. Fun guys to be around. Um, they're guys that I mean, Mason's delivered in every way you could ever want him to. I think Evans do uh, for another step up this year. I think. Uh, Getting one year under his belt, I think it's definitely going to help, especially with a major position change like that. So I'm expecting Evan to take another step in his development and uh, be able to help the Cats even more this year. But, yeah, can't say enough good things about those guys. Gotta love it. I was really impressed with Evan. Yeah. I I thought that was – you can see a lot of growth in Evan. You can see a lot of maturity. That just naturally happens as, you know, you get older – um, he's been through a lot now, you know, he's, he's, he's been the golden boy. He's been, the, you know, the guy that didn't pop when he got his chance. Some of that was, was due to the arm injury. He's been a guy that's now had to deal with like, okay, I thought I was going to be like a great quarterback and I've had to, to humble myself and adjust and, and lead in a different way. And um, I would I've been I was really really impressed with what we saw from Evan uh, in that segment because I I thought it showed a ton of growth and you know showed a, a guy a hometown guy that this fan base can really get behind. Piggybacking off of that, I think that this goes back to everything that Ryan's talked about since Satterfield took over and just establishing that culture. And I think that when you see guys like Evan, you see guys like Mason Fletcher. Um, they are representing everything that you want this team to represent. And it sounds like this team is going into this offseason with a different mindset. And I think that's certainly where you wanted this team to go. And it's just kind of 
whether it's there or not is it remains to be seen, but they're saying all the things that as fans we wanted to hear. Look, I again we, we've talked about it, Aaron, since this this has started a couple weeks ago. The the conversation about this program going into 2024, they've owned it as much as I've ever seen anybody own it. The message yeah. entirely, when you hear Nico speak, when you hear Siderfield speak, when you hear the players speak, last year wasn't good enough. Like right. there's, there hasn't been any excuses. There hasn't been any BS. There hasn't been, oh, well, we just lost a couple close games or, you know, we, you know, we, things just didn't break our way, but what we're doing is fine. The path, the direction is fine. No, it's been, that was bullshit and we don't like it and we don't like the taste in our mouth. And we're going to get back to, you know, being better. And I think owning it is part of changing it. If you don't own it, it's not going to change. And it's definitely seeing, part of growth. Yeah, like seeing the the concerted messaging being, we're not doing this again, uh, I think has been has been really good. I agree. I And, and that's awesome when you see – Prater come up and be like, last year that that wasn't us. That wasn't good. That was that, that right. It's not enough. To quote, I think he said like that. That is not acceptable. And I just that ish. That ish that, is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Which is which is the mentality to have. So um, it's awesome. Uh, last quick hitter. We're going to dive into this late on a later episode because we've got a full entire off season to kind of break these things down a little bit. I just want one word from each person because the the betting lines came out, the, the initial betting lines for over oh, no. wins. I just want one word over or under. Royer, time, time for the boys to win some money again. Over. Line, five and a half. Over. I gotta. The first, they, they could be sitting, they could very well be sitting at five and one to start the year. And if you don't win one more game, <laughs> holy shit. So one and six down the stretch. Yeah. Or one and five. Five and one, they cracked the top 25 at number yeah. 25. Yeah. Okay. Ryan's got over. Chad? I'll go over. I think okay. they, at worst, I think they make a bowl game. Okay. Aaron? Over. Because right. it can't be. Can't be this this team. I don't want to do this again. I don't want another. I don't want another fall of doing this again. If it's under, I'm with Aaron. No, right. Yeah. There you go, T. Win. I agree with Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Should we okay. timestamp that? <laughs> bookmark it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a bookmark moment. <laughs> Boom. Timestamp. Now we can do the mailbag, brother. Just do the we've done just do the mailbag. Do the mailbag. It's mailbag. All right. And if you wanna if you want to sponsor the the football quick hitters in the mailbag, hit up chat. Yeah, hit me up. My message. All right. Well, starting off in the football portion of the mailbag, what players are standing out in off season workouts? Any surprises? Not really sure uh, that. We've had any eyes there yet? Uh, practices no. haven't haven't quite started yet. When when's first practice that you're attending? Uh, I believe the week before spring break is usually the first spring ball practice. 
Um, we are hoping or planning, and maybe next week is the a good time, but uh, to get Nico in here for uh, one one last pre-spring, uh, you know, it, well into winter workouts, a chance for him to uh, talk about, you know, dote on the guys that are that are having good springs. So we'll call uh, it the Royer Mrs. Nico pod, and then yeah, Nico will have to come on. I mean, Nico could just say, I've been here, and Ryan keeps ducking me. There is that. I ducked him once. <laughs> Never. All takes. We don't let anything go here. You're new to that. You just figured that out. <laughs> Every streak Damn, started at one, Ryan. Every streak started at one. <laughs> yeah. That is wow. true. That's a good point. That was very philosophical. Uh, I like that. Uh, which of these five things will make the single biggest difference for Bearcat football success in 2024? Number one, Coach Sat's year of experience coaching in the Big 12. Number two, the strong focus on building a positive and powerful culture. Number three, bigger, stronger, faster players acquired in the portal to fill in the holes in the lineup and create depth. Number four, the arrival of Brendan Soresby. Or number five, the arrival and philosophy of Tyson Veit. I'll still go Stuff number between one. Culture and Soresby. I for me, I think it makes a difference. Like like that second. Well, and I I guess it doesn't. Maybe my answer is wrong immediately before it comes out of my mouth because they don't play a whole lot of teams that they played last year, do they? Really? Like you've got Colorado added, you've got Arizona State added. Um, Oklahoma's gone, so you don't play them. How many teams do they play that they played last year? I got, I got it. I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. I got. Well, obviously, uh, Pitt and Miami. I'm talking uh, about in conference. Houston, UCF. Houston. Yep. West Virginia. West Virginia. Iowa State. Didn't play Kansas State. Didn't, didn't play TCU. Play TCU. So only four of the nine Big 12 games are against teams they played. So my answer is wrong. Uh, <laughs> because that experience isn't going to get you, like it isn't going to help you much because there's only four of the nine teams that you've played before. So uh, you guys answer, and I guess I'll recalculate. Royer, you are the one that would know the answer best to this. I, I, I'm stuck between uh, the culture and Soresby. I think the combination of those two would make the biggest. But if I had to pick one, uh, <laughs> it's quarterback. Well, what was it? Desmond Ritter and culture, right? Yeah. The, I mean, the the the, the and sappy Forrest and Kobe Bryant, right? And my the sappy rah rah makes me makes me want to go for culture. That's Dog, we love it. Like that's that's what I think sets apart a lot of the the programs that you've seen separate themselves, or like coaches and their philosophy that they've brought yeah. into the cult. I think that's separated a lot of programs. And when programs you see kind of fell off from the top, it's ones that they either coach left, coach retired, or the coach started getting away from what made them who they are. So. I'm mean, look at look at Michigan. Just won the national championship, 
not a bunch of five star crazy talented people. It's a lot of people that were overlooked, but just bought into the culture and were perfect fits for what Arwell was trying There's, to do. They still recruited pretty well. I mean, they did, but not as good as the still other high level teams. Well. I'm gonna go off. I'm, I'm gonna go that, off the beat. That was the whole thing that the national people said. So I, I'm just sure. repeating. They're still really, really talented. <laughs> yeah, but they aren't like Bama, Georgia, right. Ohio State, Florida. State. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the same point that I think Chad was trying to make, and I think that number five probably says that a little bit louder. Um, this defense was not good last year, and bringing Tyson Vite in I, and his familiarity with the Big Twelve, I think, is paramount for this team. The the fact that he has seen. Yeah every team in this league outside of Arizona state and uh, Colorado. Um, but, but. The, the only thing I would like, the only reason I hesitate there, Aaron is because it's year one of a, a completely new system. different yeah. system. So I like, if we're leaning on that, that to make the single biggest difference, I worry we're not going to have a lot of fun on Saturday nights uh, going live. I hope it is, though, the biggest difference that we see. I, I hope so. I'm just not ready to put my eggs in that basket yet, I guess. We'll find out. We will. I mean, it, the problem is we won't find out until it matters because, you know, a lot of the stuff you see in spring ball and, and camp is yours against yours. Like, you need to see bullets yep. start flying before you figure out. And look, remember – this defense last year going into like the early part of the big 12 season was one of the better defenses in the country. And then I didn't want to talk about that. It all came tumbling down. I didn't want to talk about how good the defense looked in, in camp and right. How that translated. Uh, moving uh, on it, to the basketball looked, portion. Of the good probably because the offense was, was not a bless. Not, it's not great, Bob. <laughs> moving on to the, Basketball portion of the mailbag. Would love to hear Royer's perspective on fans booing specific players, whether it's different in different sports and whether support from fans in those moments would be better than booing. I mean, I think any any player, you know, who's got their head in the right spot isn't going to be letting the fans booing them dictate how they're going to play or how they're preparing or how, you know, they're going to carry themselves. Um, in terms of, you know, you'd like to see kind of like that, what the, uh, the Philly fans did with, uh, what's his name? Brent, you know, this, uh, Alec bum. No, no, it was Trey Turner, right? No, no, it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, well, yeah. I like that. Standing like, ovation. But, yeah. That's but they I booed that... Alec bum two years ago. And then, oh, so really? they didn't boo Trey Turner. Yeah. Instead, they went the, the opposite route, and then Trey Turner blew up. Yeah. I like I the players got to the players got to hold the responsibility of you. You can't control that stuff, and you can't let that get to your head. But I do think the the positive it's side. Human of nature, it, I though. Ah, uh, I mean, doesn't have to be, in my opinion. You know, you. Do you, you think if be, you asked Ben, if we called Ben and got him on this podcast right now, he would say the way he was treated didn't affect, didn't impact him at all. Uh, like in his preparation and how he handled it during the game. No, just his mental no. state. His mental state. 
No, he said. I don't he didn't think get you're watching Oscar. film. He, he and you're going to be like, I'm not watching this, this. Screw this film. The fans booed me. I'm not watching this mm-hmm. shit. I'm going to take this everything, iPad and throw it out the window. I'm going to stick this iPad saying. in the fan. <laughs> <laughs> everything you would tell me is just like, I don't give a fuck. It it doesn't matter to me. I mean, he could okay. be lying, but I guess my whole point was was that you can't control that stuff. You can only control your game and your preparation and what you're sure. going to do to get better. Um, and that that being said, I think only I think the fans, you know, I guess their quote unquote responsibility is, you know, you're allowed to be, you know, you're allowed to expect like good out of your good players, but you know, sure. I guess to put positive light on it. Like, yeah, it's not really going to do anyone any good to be booing him. Like kind of like, I thought the Philly approach with Trey Turner was cool. I think a lot of other other teams and other sports kind of embrace that and try to do, make that of their own. Um, so, I mean, that's something that I think that would help our athletes in, in any sport. I think positive energy is always good, but I don't. I think, like I said, the players you got to kind of, kind of, you got to block out negative energy. You got to block out things that are outside of your control. Fair. All right. Six losses in the Big 12 by five points or less. Which one hurt our chances to dance worse, Texas or West Virginia, and why? West Virginia, quad three loss. Texas, home opportunity squandered. Have to do we? I mean, we'd be talking about a team that's 500 in league play and, and had already erased their two home losses at this point. Because they've got two road wins. Um, I'll go Texas. I mean, West Virginia on the road, in conference, silly stuff happens. You had Texas beat at home. You missed the front end of a one-on-one. Yes, they hit two tough shots, but uh, for me, it's Texas. You got to, in this league, go look at the top two teams in the league. Look how many games they've lost at home. That's one of three Cincinnati losses at home. So I go Texas. I say West Virginia because West Virginia is eight and thirteen, and Cincinnati is one of those eight. And that's gross. Ryan, I think I agree with you on the Texas one. Like, yeah, everyone's going to have a bad loss in there, but having a, a good win, I think, would be helping them out a lot more. Because it was essentially like you know you beat you beat Houston. No one, no one was going to be talking about. Oh yeah, but that West Virginia was. Oh, we beat Houston. I think it's kind of like a similar concept. Oh, we beat Texas and we beat um, all these good teams. I don't. I think that kind of overlooks, overshadows like that bad loss. And for me, it just it it impacts the math so much. Like you're not. You know, they had two losses from at home, boom, boom. And you're just constantly swimming upstream. Because, look, the odds are you're not going to beat Houston at home. The odds say you're not going to beat Iowa State at home. Now you're at four if you lose tomorrow. Well, you're Vegas, four home Vegas losses in league play. You're going to win tomorrow. I'm, no, I'm just saying, like, if you don't have the Texas loss at home, you can cushion – losing to a Houston or an Iowa state in your gym yeah, where you lose to a a team that's, that's around your same level at Mm -hmm. home in a game that you could have went up for with however many seconds left. It was the John missed those, the the front end of the one-on-one 
I just I it makes the math so much harder losing that Texas game. And we said it at the time, and it's it's still true. They're still digging out of that hole of losing two home games early to Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, I think I I agree. I a win against Texas would would feel awesome, obviously, because wins against tournament teams are very important by the selection committee. Sure. But the Cincinnati would have zero quad three slash quad four losses if they would have just held on to a 10-point lead with six. They'd have one extra quad two win. Right. You know, it's it's like a you know a which one is is better at the end type scenario. I think there's there's less opportunities for a quad three loss than there are opportunities for additional quad one, quad two wins. But I think the committee in the end will also look at it and be like, okay, this West Virginia loss is not like the same as losing to, you know, say Delaware at home or something along those lines. So, uh, yeah, I agree. But shots fired. Uh, this season, the Big 12 was so strong and deep from top to bottom in men's basketball that no one has been able to win more than two to three games in a row so far in conference play. And it seems like almost every game comes down to the last few possessions. With that in mind, which do you guys think would be a harder gauntlet to run? Winning the conference tournament title in Kansas City next month or winning an NCAA tournament 16-team regional bracket to get to the Final Four? Guys, I, I, I have a specific opinion on this, but I'll let you guys go first. I first off, the Bearcats need to get into the top ten in the Big Twelve so that they avoid playing those first those first two games that aren't you know a buy a technical buy or whatever it is because if you're in one of those and you're playing UCF West Virginia or Oklahoma State it's a it's a pretty much a win lose scenario where th- there's a lot more harm that can be done than than can be one in that in that situation but aside from that um i think conference tournaments are for a team that's like with their backs against the wall need to go all in and and win in order to advance or something along those lines i think there's a better chance of that happening if there's not like an elite team i think there's a couple pretty doggone elite teams in the big 12 this year to the point where I think it'd be hard to win back to back to back games in in the Big Twelve tournament than it I, actually no. I think I think it'd be easier to win the Big Twelve tournament than to advance to the Final Four. There you go. I agree. I, I almost talked just, myself into it. <laughs> I love how you just debated yourself. I almost talked myself get, into it. It was very to close. get to that answer. Um. I don't know. I guess to get to the Sweet 16, you're probably going to be playing teams that are not top 10 teams. You're going to have to run through top 10 teams in this league to win the tournament. There's three top 10 teams in this tournament, and for all three to lose before you get to the end of the tournament, I think would be a shock. You just you just avoid them all. You snake all the way through the top 10 losses. <laughs> right? Like that. Impossible. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to be the top ten team, I think, to win this tournament. That's the main reason I think Aaron is right. Um, two, what's your seed? 
because that changes everything in this league. Because if you're one of the bottom four teams, you got to win five games in five days. You got to beat somebody good Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. No rest. No, no day off in between first and second game. Uh, no four days off in between second game and third game. Whatever the case may be, I I'm taking the conference tournament as the more difficult one because there's always like, and the other thing is now you're at a point where most of these teams are gonna have they've all played. They're gonna yeah. know each other. They're gonna be aware of like what they did in the first game. You know, you generally don't have that in the NCAA tournament. Um, very rare in the first two rounds that you play somebody that you've played before unless the NCAA screws you and makes you play Kimball Walker uh, in the second round to get to the sweet 16. Um, but I digress. Um, so I'll go big 12 tournament just because of the, the, the back to back to back to back. And if you're trying to win it where you got to play four or five games in four or five days, that's, there's nobody that has enough depth to be at their best on day five. Like, remember the Big East tournament where UC played Louisville in the championship and both teams had been through such a gauntlet to get there right. that that was one of the least enjoyed, like Big East tournament, one of the, the greatest events of my sporting life to watch every year, except for now, I don't really care anymore. Um, but both of those teams were dead yeah. in that game. They had no legs at all, so I'm which, which is why I think that it's it's harder to get to the final four. I mean, Cincinnati was right there with a chance to to beat Louisville and win the Big East tournament when they were they had to do to it all. They had to uh, go overtime against a top ten Georgetown. Right, right. They, well, they, they, they had to beat a top sixteen. Didn't even sniff the final right. four, and they the, had the, fifty two the threes. They have 52 threes in that Syracuse game and beat well, they, Syracuse they by one. They didn't against Ohio State to, to advance to the Elite Eight. I mean. What, what, a, what a tease that Ohio State game was. Park scores to put them up one. And it's like, all right, Cincinnati's got control. And then Ohio State just dusted them from that point forward. Harder than going to Lubbock. Yeah, Lubbock didn't, going to Lubbock didn't seem that hard, Gio. Speaking of Lubbock, knock on wood, but yeah, McCullers out again. They're they're delete depleted. Well, just win, just win. The most debated topic, Vic, in the four position. Do you believe us making the tournament comes to how the staff handles the Vic struggles and if they can figure out or manage how they move forward at the four position? Go ahead, boys. I'm personally already tired of the Vic conversations. I really hope that we're not continuing come tournament time that Vic's still struggling. Because if it is, I think you have your answer. Right. No to tournament. make the tournament, they Vic has to get back on track to be the better team in, in these last eight games. They got to go five and three in the last eight. To be the better team <coughs> down the stretch, they need Vic to be good. Don't need him to be great. Don't need him to score 22, but 11 and 6. Give me 11 and 6. If you told me Vic averaged 11 and 6 the rest of the way, here you go, Ryan. 
you told me Vic averaged 11 and six the rest of the way, I say Cincinnati makes the NCAA tournament. I agree. If he scores 15 to be a part of that, averaged 11 tomorrow, I mean, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I don't know, Ryan. That would mean one game you'd have to score like six. Yeah, even it out. Scores- if he scores 15 tomorrow on the nose, Roy Stradamus. <laughs> and they win. They got to win. They got to win. They got to win. If they score 15 and lose, then Ryan's got new rip on his head. If, if he scores 15 <laughs> and no other player scores over double digits, also Roy Stradamus. <laughs> He's fired at that point. Well, we'll have uh, – we we'll have a new former player in here. Bryce Burton will be in here quicker than you can blink. <laughs> <laughs> Riffing with Burton. Anything to uh, add there, Brent? Uh, nah, not necessarily. I just think it, you have a lot of options. So got to be decisive quick. Don't don't force the issue. I think Wes knows that. Um, we kind of you know talked about it earlier. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I mean – the team would be better if he can't got out of this situation that he currently is in. I do have a question here from Ryan's boy, Ty. But uh, for you guys that have went to some big 12 road games this year, how does the atmosphere from this past Saturday compare? Can't see how that's not one of the top atmospheres in the big 12. Well, we went to Fog Allen Field at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, and that was one of the best basketball experiences I've ever had. Would you agree, Brent? It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, so, it's got that. It's old a Mecca. School. It's yeah. Right. It's, it's cathedral it's, is what they right. say. Yeah. Here's what I would say. Uh, everywhere, but UCF and Houston college basketball matters like that in this league. So if you have a top five team, Oklahoma on your home floor, yeah, Oklahoma, yeah. But like Oklahoma State is elite, Iowa State is elite, um, Texas, Texas Tech, Tech was great, pretty rowdy, yeah. TCU, I've I've heard is really good, yeah. Kansas State, Kansas State is awesome. That is what it is. Like that's the level you have to reach to be. In just in the conversation around this league, because yeah. that's one of the reasons the Big 12 is great. Fan bases are invested in this league. Like they care. It means something in these games. So yeah, it was awesome. It was, I mean, it was yes. Deafening when... loud. But that's what it's like at 75% of the schools in this league. So that's the that's the standard. That you need to have in this league, which is crazy, but I love it. Do you think it'll be up to appreciate you watching Malik? Hey, Malik, what's up, bro? What up, Malik? Hope you're doing well, man. Miss you, buddy. Um, do you think it'll be a little bit less same tomorrow than it was on Saturday? Think a little bit of winds out of the sails? I don't think the winds out of the sail, I think. A four o'clock Saturday game, you got you, you ain't got a rush. You can get up, you can go get some lunch. Yeah. You know, you you can hit Mio's or somewhere right around campus and get a little lubed up before the game. 
Ooh. you can tailgate a little bit if you're a student. Pause. Yeah, I think the the atmosphere is organic in that situation, but for for tomorrow, there will have to be a couple of plays that the team makes that'll just ignite the crowd. Definitely. Yeah, I I I, I think it'll still be really really good. It will. Be. Um, but I mean, you know, you're on a weekday. Everybody's got to get off work, come straight to the game. They have to get up for work on Wednesday, so it's probably not going to be as uh, the the fuse might be a little a little slower to ignite than it was. Uh, I mean, because look, man, like that arena, they they would get down eight, nine, ten, and they make one basket, and everybody was was getting up. And like trying to like will them back into the game, so uh, that that atmosphere Saturday was outstanding, outstanding. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's been that way all season. Another top right. ten team coming in, so turn up again. Gonna have to bring it. After replaying the game, I was surprised at how great Houston's ball screens were and how really poor ours were. Their screeners set hard screens. We had trouble getting through, and our guys were rolling out of the screen before even making contact with the defender, making it easier to defend. Is there time enough to correct this for the remaining games? So uh, I will say, I this I asked this question in the press conference to Wes. It stood out to me early how physical Houston was setting their screens. Um, I, I think one of the frustrations in basketball right now is that there are so many moving screens. Yeah, the lack But of- a lot of times, oh. a lot of times, you know what it is, Brent? Yeah. The offenses are so complex that guys are trying to get to their next spot. I've I've got a I've got a ball screen, but then I got to go immediately and set a down screen and then come back up and set an elevator screen or like Okay, I got I've got to set this screen, go set another screen, and then run off. Like you, there's so much, it's so much more complex than it ever used to be. Yeah. And, and go watch some of the stuff with Lapore that, that we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, I've set up the the channel for it where uh if you go to our YouTube and you click on channels, you can and see Brendel's breakdown. But I mean, there's there's sets where there's guys just it's like a like a production line on guys like, okay, come off this screen, then come off this screen. Then this guy goes off that screen. And then this guy flares to here. Like, yeah, I think it's a problem. Some, and I think this is something that this is the question I asked Wes um, in the post game. I think they took a hard look in their scouting report at how elite Jizzle or not Jizzle, but Day-Day and John are at avoiding screens, at beating ball screens, icing, ghosting, whatever, at at getting over the screen and being able to stay in contact because they didn't get hit. Houston came in looking, don't get to the next action, right? Stand there, boom, take the contact and make the guy work his way around you. Don't get out of his way. Um, I don't think that is something I have seen from them. And, and they always, they're fundamentally solid. So that it's not that they don't set good screens. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you could tell they took an extra beat standing there to make sure that screen hit 
And I said it to you and Keegan early in the game. Like, they are screening. Yeah. Like, with emphasis, they are screening. Now, Cincinnati did a really good job in the back end of the first half after they adjusted to what Houston was doing. They got better at it. Um, but it's a great point, Pat. I, Yeah, I would like to see guys hang out for that extra beat and really set the screen. But they're just asking so many different things in offense now that, I mean, I think it makes it difficult. Um, I'd like to see it. I'd like to more frequently see those screens be bone chilling like Houston did. Uh, but, you know, good question. We talked early about the first six Big 12 games and wanting to go three and three. We wound up two and four. Winning two in a row has been difficult. Now we have eight games left. The prevailing thought is we need to go five and three. Can we do it? Or is five and three realistically just too high a mountain to climb? You are given the, the eight eternal. games, I think it's given the eight games, I think it's doable. Yeah. What what five you got, Brent? I mean, I, I honestly think they win tomorrow. Um, they've just been showing that they're the ability to bounce back uh, big time. They have. Uh, I, I mean, I just think you got to win. you got to win your home game. So I think tomorrow's one. Um, I'm going to skip over the next game for now. Oklahoma State, two. I mean, I think they, they sweep the rest of the home games. Kansas State and West Virginia, so that's four. And then went on the road at, at UCF, five. So you got a three-game winning streak coming. Yeah, they need to start to put together some, some wins. They're allergic to back-to-back wins right now. <laughs> because right now they, they've got, as we know, Iowa State tomorrow, then UCF Saturday, then Oklahoma State at home next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at TCU, at Houston, uh, Kansas State at home, at Oklahoma, West Virginia. If they can win tomorrow, if I'm not ready to predict that, if they can win tomorrow, I think there's a chance they have two three-game win streaks remaining on this schedule. Iowa State at UCF, Oklahoma State, and then Kansas State here at Oklahoma, West Virginia here. Yeah, They can win those three games. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not in on Oklahoma. Oh, that's probably the game that pisses me off a little bit more than Texas. Right, but uh, yeah, if you would have asked me, it definitely would have been Oklahoma because I, yeah, frustrated with that one. But yeah, that's my uh, I. I think they can get to five and three. I think if they win tomorrow, there's a path to six. Yeah, very aggressive. You think that's overly aggressive? Getting to six? I'm saying if they win, if they don't win tomorrow, I don't see a path to five. Then they get five. I'm I'm saying I think you win tomorrow, there's a path to six. Obviously, I want this team to win five. Of course, I want them to win six. I don't see them winning five. I think they're lucky to get four. But and that's real. I'm not saying that's not realistic. So what I'm saying, I'm saying UCF I see or? I'm saying I see a path. Well, I mean UCF's been great at home. 
They have, yeah. And if you're if you lose tomorrow, there's got to be. I mean, you're four and seven at that point in the league. Like, that's bad. That's bad. What's the locker room look like when you're four and seven in the league? Now, if you win, all's forgiven. Everybody's feeling pretty good, mm-hmm, right? Yep. Everybody's feeling. No, I'm saying if you beat Oklahoma or if you beat Iowa State, you're yeah. feeling pretty good going into UCF, and yeah. UCF's been struggling a little. All right. When do you expect Cincinnati to restore home dominance? Too many teams since the Cronin era have been coming into fifth third and leaving with the dub. Can't blame the fans. Uh, seems like the rowdier we make the atmosphere, the other team rises up. Let's start with tomorrow. Tomorrow. (laughs) Get the first win over an AP top 10 team since. 2012. 2012. Syracuse. Heard it on the announcers. Good job. Me too. Uh, what's happened to Josh Reed's minutes? Feel like him and Vic could be great. Four to five second, four and five second unit, which could help Vic get some confidence back. I don't know. <laughs> CJ's back. Chad, help. Uh, CJ got I, two minutes. I agree. Josh, we got how many, Aaron? One. Right, exactly. So uh, That's my, like me on Saturday. my thought is that it's it, it, when, when tough games are approaching, you it's just you're going to shorten benches. You're going to amp up more minutes for the uh, the main lineups that you have out there. So nothing nothing against how, how good Josh has been at times. I just think that's just where the path is at. I think a lot of it comes down to what we talked about last week or two weeks ago, like he's not impacting offense at all. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that really helped when he kind of jumped up and saw his minutes increase was he was putting up four, five, six, seven points uh, and banging in a three or two and and making the defense uh, respect when he was on the floor. And then he started passing up open shots and look, man, the way that video is now, if they catch you on tape, they're just not going to guard him. Right. He's not going to pull the trigger. He's out there to move the ball. We don't have to guard him. And once that happens, you're in a bad spot. And, you know, that's why I said for Josh to stay on the floor, he's got to look to be aggressive when the shot is there. And he hasn't done that of late. So that would probably explain it. Um. I just, you know, you can't be a non-factor, especially on the wing. Mm-hmm. If you're a wing and the ball comes to you and you're wide open and you've got a catch and shoot opportunity and your feet aren't even like set to shoot or in like catch and shoot position, your minutes are going to be reevaluated. Josh has got to get back on track there to remember in the beginning of that stretch. When the ball came to him, he was ready to let it fly. He's gotten away from that. Got to get better. All right. And uh, what is your ideal lineup at end of games to help improve our chances to win these close games? Aziz, Day-Day, Jizzle, Skillings, Newman? Question mark. 
we talked about this last week. It's still the same for me. Day Day, Dan, John, CMOS, uh, Aziz, Jamil, whatever you want to do at center, uh, do it between the, the three guys. Whoever's, but, yeah, whoever's hot. Yeah. I want the three wings on the floor Skillings, Newman, and CMOS, and a point guard and a big. Anything now to the bank's portion of the mailbag. So nothing, Brent. Mailbag. No, I mean we talked about this last week. We did. Um, in basketball terms, what's the best way to keep you all supplied with whiskey to sip on for the new Riffin with Royer segment? Celebration. Celebration shots. We chase with high fives. <laughs> I don't know exactly what the question wants me to answer. Uh, That's the understand. answer. I, I'll go with Brent. It was, it was in the I know. Line. I'm just, what's the best way to keep us all supplied to give us lots of bourbon? Yeah, give us like thousands of bottles and then we chase with <laughs> high fives. Roy, the, John, the John Stockton of bourbon. You should be dishing it out. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Mm. No look. Yeah. All right, and the last case with high fives. <laughs> last question in the mailbag: Rapid fire. Who wins a beer drinking contest out of former Bearcats, Connor Barwin or Jason Kelsey? So I know Jason is famous for it now, but I have heard Connor Barwin would throw him back. Was no nonsense when it came to getting after it. So, uh. Man, that's a tough one. I think I would go Connor from what I've heard from the old days, but I would guess, I would guess Connor has probably mellowed a little bit his, in retirement. His competition, his competitive side has probably gone down. So and Jason's Jason is still – yeah. Jason, look, what we saw over the last three weeks is that Jason is in prime drinking form oh yeah <laughs> I've, I've got a good question form. Royer yeah we we talk about this 2021 you know versus you know their team of 09 whatever so who if it was just simply just drinking teams would you be able to never put together <laughs> 2021 would get annihilated five? yeah annihilated. Get annihilated you wouldn't have a good starting five I, was, I don't I was know who the, come out of the I'm trying to think who would be my who'd be my uh starting five on that team. Mets. Mm. Mets could put him back, but not the beers just looked tiny in his hand. He it's not like he could drink like an ungodly amount. Joey I just Broder, thought would, being from Germany, he would Joey have been Broder drinking since drink. he was like 12. holy shit. Graber could drink. Um what about Jimmy? Jimmy Smith? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. For some reason, I've got a feeling Jimmy could, like, he likes handle his own. I just can't remember numbers-wise. You know, I mean, look. Bert, Bert can, Bert can, Bert's a, a chugger, man. Bert can put him down quick. But he's not, like, a 30-beer-a-night kind right. of guy. Yeah, look, that team had Kelsey Kelsey Wolf. Like you lose. 
Yeah, that's a, if you, you know, go back to 08 and you put in Barwin, you, you like it's a it's a bloodbath. And look, O'Quinn, good thing, O'Quinn and Woodside were, were tanks. I remember that. We haven't but even gotten to the big guys. We're still doing the little problem. O'Quinn and Woodside, they, they you know they ended up they ended up having having kids at the end of their run, so they had to slow sure. down. So they didn't they sure. didn't have one more year of prime in them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I, 08, 08 would be like the biggest, maybe the biggest blowout in history if they put 08 against 21. Right. 09, I still, look, Tony Pike grew up in Reading. That's a man that, that can drink a lot of beers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so as long as Joel DeBlanco is nowhere near the starting five in 2021, we'll stand a little bit better of a chance. <laughs> uh, best thing you can do is handle a loaded whipped cream shot. <laughs> yeah, if we're doing, even if we're doing uh, spiked whipped cream, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Best meme with Travis or Jason in it. Anything with Jason or Travis or Jason's? Excuse me. Doing the 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 hero. <laughs> moment from the press box in bar or the suites in Buffalo. Travis attacking Andy Reid has been Andy Reid. There's been some good ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's that's all my fucking feet is. Oh I know. With like the world that wasn't a wonders. good look for our boy. I know you he, he, you gotta have sure a little bit wasn't. more control. That was I think he just him, I don't think he intended like yeah, Andy's I know. Andy's wobbly. So if you bump into him accidentally you're I mean, they're lucky he didn't fall. Could you imagine if he'd have fell? What that? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just want you guys to know if if that ever happened to like Luke Fickle, you don't even want to f- know what would be said to you, and then what could would you be imagine done if Josh <laughs> if Josh just crashed into Fick at some oh point? Oh my god, he, he would grit his teeth into dust and then try to kill you. <laughs> and then try to kill you again, and then try to kill you again in the locker room at halftime, and then kill you a second time after the game. <laughs> I, the thing with for me, like that's if you've watched the Chiefs, that's who Chiefs, that's who they are. Like that's they play with that edge. Um, we have seen it multiple times. That you cannot agree with it. Most people don't, I think, but for whatever reason, it works for them. And they've won three out of the last five Super Bowls. So either he's not the most nimble cat out there either. No, no. The Walrus. He's, he's no, no longer front pass and kick Andy Reid. No. That ain't a cat, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, street tacos or quesadilla? Street tacos. Quesadilla is just—it's simple. It's feel good, but you know, street tacos. I feel like you're gonna get it. A better uh, flavor palette there. I love cheese, though, man. I love cheese. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that quesadilla, cheese, man. Yeah. Out, especially like food truck, street tacos, without question. At home, quesadillas are pretty bomb at home. Like when you get when you, once you get the meat cooked up, room. it's already it's already taken care of. You just Turn the skillet on, slap the tortilla down, a little cheese, mix the meat in, close it up. 
Uh, quesadilla. Quesadillas at home are money. I feel like, like you make a mean quesadilla, Chad. I do. Street tacos can be hit or miss. Yeah. So I'm. I, I don't think you can miss on a quesadilla. Some are a little you're, dry. I agree. You're, you're going to get. You're, you're at Can the end of the day. You're dry. not getting. A, you're not getting a great quesadilla. You're not getting a shitty quesadilla. You're always going to get a mid quesadilla. It's the definition of Mexican mid. Right. right. You know what you're getting with a quesadilla. Street tacos can be. Hmm. So that's fair. Just depends, depends on the place you're at. If you're feeling a little froggy, then maybe you go with a. a the street tacos, but I think what Brent's getting at is if I'm getting a street taco, I know I'm going somewhere that has good street tacos. Like right. <laughs> I, I'm not messing around. If I'm drinking uh, six margaritas, I want a goddamn quesadilla, man. God damn. The Josiah DeGara special. Uh mm. Chipotle steak quesadilla with sour cream. Okay. He would Whoa. he would put those down weekly. Slam those puppies down. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds dreadful. <laughs> they were good as hell. <laughs> That's Take the mailbag. I mean, oh no, one more. Uh follow-up question. All you can eat Chinese buffet. What are you loading up with? Everything. I'm gonna get a little general so's, fried rice. You don't see a lot of general so's on roll. the buffet, though. What do you got? Fucking yeah, I'm getting a Rangoon in there. Bourbon, Kung Pao, beef and broccoli. Chicken on a stick. Chicken on a stick. Sushi. Bad, like bad. Garlic I'm shrimp. out on sushi. I'm out. You're out on sushi? Miss me with the sushi, sushi man. Miss me with I'm the out. sushi now. Garlic like, shrimp. Just like, I started just like looking at myself, like picking up sushi with like a, a chopsticks and just playing. And you're kind of like, yeah. like Kind of like looking around. Anybody watching me do this? <laughs> I had a <laughs> what? You know what I mean, man. Y'all watching me do this shit right here? <laughs> Watch me do this shit for quick. No, I agree. That's I'm, a mailbag. Get us out of here, friend. <laughs> well, guys, big game. Back to back Big Ten, uh, Big Ten, back to back top 10 matchups for the first time in fifth third history. That's right, fifth third history. That's an insane stat. Need to win this one. Huge home game tomorrow night. Iowa State coming into town. Bearcats are favored by Vegas. Ken Pomp can't make up his damn mind on which team he thinks he's going to win. It's been flipping, flopping since the beginning of the year. Come early, be loud. That's all I gotta say. But uh, make or break, baby. What is Wet Scott for us? Come on, two feet in, ten toes down. But a massive game coming up tomorrow. Be there, be early, be loud. So uh, for my guys, pals, partners, crew, another great one, guys. But uh, for Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, Ryan Royer, and Brent Young, and another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya.